everybody. Welcome to Evil Pudding, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Courtney. And I'm Patrick. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? I'm tired. You're always tired. It, it's a count. long week, man. I, I'm mad at you. I know. But you I, made me be a single mom this for, week. For two and a half days because I had to go visit. It was not. It was 47 days. I had to go visit my <laughs> grandmother who's in a nursing home No, it was Connecticut. Well it was very. And trust me, it wasn't fun flying at seven in the morning until four in the afternoon. The next day, spending with her, doing the next thing back here the next day. I'm glad you got to spend some good quality time with her, and you got to see snow. And we're in Texas, yeah, so I, I, it's not like you get to. That's have, fucked up because it was 76 degrees when I got on an airplane. We had the AC on, and when I landed, mm-hmm. it was 19 and snowing. <laughs> That's a fucking shock. That's like a culture shock right there. I'm you surprised can, you're not sick, although we do have a sick one here. We do have a sick one, but I grew up in that stuff, so I think my body's just like, it just takes a little bit to adjust to it, and then it's like, oh, this shit again. But you know, it's funny, because the minute you leave, like, everything's fine when you when you left, right? I mean, it's like, okay, this is going to be easy. Like, the kids, they love, they get excited when daddy leaves, because they like to sleep with me. And yeah, exactly. The it's like, like it's party, you. you know, because you are you mean business, right? But at well, the same time. Mom's a pushover, so they. <laughs> there's a couple of them that are like, okay, dad's not here. What can I let me get away push, with? Let me push the envelope bit more than normal today and then yeah so there was a little bit of that and then there was um actually not a lot of that but um then one of them got the flu yeah well that that'll shit on everything you're doing and i was told by our pediatrician that once they had the flu once you have the flu it's very unlikely that you're going to get it within the same year well we (laughs) i think everybody's had it about four times in this house this year well (laughs) we proved that wrong (laughs) Yeah, we do that often. Well, with four kids, I know there we get messages all the time that's like, it always seems like someone's sick. Someone is always sick. We have four kids. Yeah, and it, I mean, for everybody. We that, run an infirmary. Anybody that has kids out there knows, especially like that October, November, December time period. Oh, yeah. There's always shit going around the schools. Yeah, make sure, don't and pencil me in. So when you have anything. four kids, there's a good chance that one of them is going to get some shit from somebody. My favorite thing was the little one came home. One day last week, and she was like, yeah, so-and-so in my class sitting right next to me started throwing up violently. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. yeah, and it's, you know, where we where our kids go to school, you know, three of them go to the high school that has, like, 3,500 people in it. It's not like they're in small schools and we're in the middle no. of nowhere. Like, no. So, I mean, we're, yeah. Some, it, if someone's going to get sick, they're going to get sick. They're going to get sick. We just deal with it as much as we can and try to keep everybody else from getting it. Absolutely. And we did a pretty good job, I would have to say. We did. Knock I, on you wood. did. I came back on the end of it. <laughs> You'll come back on the tail end of it when yeah. everything's fine. Which is usually when you get sick. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to jinx that. Well, other than that, you doing okay? I'm great. It's it's my episode this week. It's a it's episode. It's a episode. And you kind of had a change of heart. I did. Because you were going to make Kanye mad. I, I probably was going to make Kanye mad. So we have to give him a little... Preface because in our last episode I talked about how I was like, oh, I'm gonna do this fucking monster, da 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 da. Yeah. Well, I kind of changed my mind, right? So I started digging into this case. Mm-hmm. Not really a case and a uh, person. A person in historic time period. It was mm-hmm. really, I mean, to, to let everybody know, I was gonna do Joseph Mengel. Mm-hmm. Oh, who, yeah. <laughs> for those that don't know, oh. he was the angel of death. He was the architect, the architect, the scientist behind the gas chambers and Auschwitz. He and was evil shit. pudding. He was true evil pudding, but you know. There's something about it. It's just the more I dug into it, the more it just didn't sit right with me to tell it as a story. Yeah, it's something about is Nazis. It almost like, and is I it? Don't know. Um, not that we'd ever glorify these assholes. 
assholes. But I mean, I mean, I would cover it if people wanted to listen to it. I just don't yeah. know that people want to listen to stuff about like the Nazis and, and you know genocide like that. Yeah, level. and and right, we usually get to name victims. Right, right, yeah, and yeah, we can't yeah, yeah. do that because it's a whole people. Yeah, but. I mean, it's you know, that, to your point, a lot of times we tell these stories and we try to focus on at least the victims, bringing the victims to light, bringing their names to light because everyone knows these stories a lot. Like right. we talked about with Kemper, everybody mm-hmm. knows Kemper. But who were his victims? They're the ones that are always forgotten in these stories. And right. to your point, that one was like, I was looking at it and I'm like, it's not like I can sit here and list off literally millions of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. so it was almost like I'd be just telling this guy's story, which I didn't want to well, do. Well, it didn't sit right with you. You're, I mean, I know you're a grizzly bear, but you are a teddy bear. So yeah, and we're, I, not gonna, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to put you through those, that if you're not comfortable doing it. So, you know, he was evil pudding, which is why I was going to do him. He was like the true epitome oh, of like he is evil, evil human pudding. beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But his, it almost was just like, I'm just telling his story to tell his story. And I he doesn't like need his story out no. there. Fuck him. He's a piece of shit and yeah. I don't really want to cover him anymore. But if they want to hear him, I'll do him. Yeah. Because it's interesting. It's just not necessarily what we normally do around here. That's cool. So I, tend you- to, I tend to change it up on us, but whatever. So. So what you got for us today? Yeah, I kind of just fucking flipped the script on it, and I found a doozy that I was kind of planning on doing at some point anyway. Okay. This one's much more well-known because it's more for the pop culture side of it. Ooh. Much more for the pop culture <clears throat> side than the actual story. A lot of people don't know the actual story. They just know the relation to the, to the pop culture. And not only that is one I recently did. This one ties to it directly. Mm-hmm. And one I'm planning on doing down the road, this one ties into that directly. So this is a perfect chance to do this one kind of related. Uh, so you do remember, like, I think it was the last one I did was um, The Runaway Devil. Right, Jasmine, Jasmine Richardson, Richardson. and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. Jeremy Stenke. That name, dude. You do remember that she was, you know, th- this is kind of crazy. I didn't know this until I dug into it, but she was the youngest person ever charged with multiple counts of murder in Canada, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more similarities today than I thought there were for that case. But if you remember that story, if you listen to it, or if you haven't yet, go check it out. The night of the murders, her boyfriend and his friends and all them were watching a very popular movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one they had seen a lot and probably heard of it. It's called Natural Born Killers. Yeah. He even called it the best love story ever told. Her boyfriend um, did. And uh, even made comments that if they did it like that, they wouldn't spare their brother, her brother, like they did in the movie. Because in the movie, they're spared a little kid. Um, what a this gem, is a movie, right? so they're not going to do that shit to kids, right? So because of that, you know, I kind of went back to this story, which mm-hmm. you'll understand in a second as I get to it. Okay. But we're going to travel back to the U.S. instead of Germany. Uh, and or Canada even, and, and we're going to meet the youngest woman ever tried in the U.S. for first-degree murder and the actual inspiration behind the movie The Natural Born Killers. My guess was Bonnie and Clyde. It's very much a modern Bonnie and Clyde, right? More so this modern. story, much okay. like The Runaway Devil, has been debated for a long time. So this, there, we're going to talk a little bit at the end because I, I saved some room for us to talk about what's very much debated between, really between these two stories, especially this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll look at that later on. But we're just going to go ahead and dive into the wild story of Charles Starkweather Ooh. and Carol Fugate. And I believe that's how you say it, Fugate. I've always heard it, Fugate, yeah. Fugate, okay. So yeah, they, they, those two oh, wow. back Pat, in the 1950s, be- they were the original, and we'll talk about the pop culture stuff later, but they were they were the basis for Natural Born Killers, which was a really good movie until you found out it was about like real life shit. Wasn't Woody Harris- Harrelson in it? Yeah, and um, I can't remember her name. I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember her name. It starts with a J. Yeah. Juliet Lewis. <laughs> Juliet Lewis. That's right. That's right. All right. So you ready to dive into this fucking shit show that we're about to get into? I don't know because I can't really remember. Am it's, I ready? Um, so it Do I have is. A choice? <laughs> yeah, not really. So it, okay. it, 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 there's there's some gruesomeness to it. I'll throw some disclaimers out there because there's a couple parts that people might not want to listen to. 
And, okay. and I'll throw it out there, and, and we'll obviously see why when we get to it. But let's uh, let's dive right into Charles Raymond Starkweather. So Charles was born on November 24th, 1938. Scorpio. Yeah, to Guy and Helen Starkweather in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, he was the third child of eight total children, seven of which were boys. So he had six brothers and one sister. Oh, poor girl. Yeah, that poor girl. <laughs> His father, Guy, was a carpenter mm-hmm. and a handyman, basically. He just kind of did odds and end jobs around town for people when he wasn't working for a company. But he often didn't work a lot because he had some back problems. And he had really bad arthritis, apparently. Okay. So he didn't work all the time. And he also loved his booze. And I'm guessing Uh-oh. if he has arthritis and back problems. It's probably to treat pain, huh? He's probably using that. Right, exactly. Medicaid. They didn't have CBD or any of the stuff people have nowadays to do it. So he's probably drinking to medicate himself. Not so uh, his mom, Helen, actually worked as a waitress to help supplement the family's income. Eight kids. I- I'm going to tell you right now, they Dang. were not very well off. Yeah. They were very poor. Well, how actually. could they be? They My were goodness. very poor. However, you know, unlike a lot of people we covered, mm-hmm. now, Charles Starkweather's childhood was somewhat normal. He didn't grow up in an abusive household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dad drank a little bit, was kind of a butthole. But he wasn't getting beaten. You know, we've heard about moms prostituting their kids out when they're four and all these other serial killers we saw. It wasn't any of that. Um, he actually had a lot of happy memories and it was fond memories growing up with his siblings and helping his dad when he was little till he was about the age of six. And that's when the whole world changes for him. See, that's when he started going to school. Mm. And he was actually born with a genovarum, which is a actually a birth defect. It's basically like misshapen legs or often really? bow-legged. Never heard of that. Uh, okay. Referred to. Mm-hmm. He also had red hair and he had a very bad speech impediment. His first day of class, he... Everybody had to give a speech. Mm-hmm. I don't It doesn't say. I was probably like, hey, my name is so-and-so. That's when his classmates first noticed his speech impediment. And we know what kids do. Boy. They just started teasing him, right? Today, junior kind of thing or whatever it was at the time. So they started to pick on him. They started to laugh at him. So kids are such First day of school, first day outside of his house without his family. And he's already getting picked on. That trend doesn't stop. I also didn't know he was a ginger. He is. He is a ginger. But that trend you're going to see doesn't stop. Now- I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but I want to give this piece of his whole childhood into here. Okay. Um, until he was about the age of 15, like I said, I'm jumping a little bit. That's okay. Everyone thought he was really slow, even yeah. though he had a very above average IQ. He had a very normal, if not above average IQ. Mm-hmm. It was till 15 that they realized he's damn near blind uh, from distances. He can't see the backboard. He's nearsighted. Yeah, he can't see the what blackboard. The hell? And no but one they noticed before then? Well, they were too poor to probably go to the optometrist or True. have an eye test and all these things done. So they just thought he was kind of slow. I guess it was before the days where they had it in school, right? Yeah. The eye tests in school? Yes, yes. So, I mean, this is in the 40s. So oh, duh. Yeah, he, uh, that's true. Early 50s. Yeah. So he was getting teased on. So I jumped a little ahead just because I wanted to, to also – he's getting picked on because he was slower, they thought. When he really wasn't. Couldn't freaking see. Yeah, he couldn't see, but everyone's like, oh, he must be stupid or something like that. Yeah, just can't see, bro. <laughs> so according to Charles, he has said that he has nothing positive from his school age days. Not one thing. I probably, um, I can't blame him there. He actually, you know, came out saying like he just felt like life had wronged him mm-hmm. from the start. Like he just, from the rip, he just got a bad fucking hand. And he kind of did in some ways. Uh, it's not as a bad lot of as some do. of we've seen. Yeah. Exactly. But he did have a lot of. Troubles and issues. Yeah. More so than the other kids. Like his brothers didn't have birth defects and speech impediments and all these other things. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? For sure. Um, and like we said before, on top of all those those issues, his family was very poor. Mm. So he wore nothing but like old secondhand clothes from his brothers. Yeah. Who probably got them from their dad because they couldn't afford all the new stuff. So, of course, 
kids are going to bully. For that. So that's just one more thing he's going to get picked on. Mm-hmm. And all these things he gets bullied on and teased for really play into this, this rage that this guy develops. Uh, you're going to see it later on. They talk about it. I mean, he just becomes full of just anger at all times. He just mm-hmm. becomes hateful, really. We've seen that with a, a few. We see that a lot because, because of these similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. Bad life choices, bad, not choices, but bad life situations, bullying, teasing. A lot of bullying. Kemper was bullied. A lot of them were bullied because they were different, right? So yeah. what, what do kids do? If you're different, they bully you. They pick on you. They tease you. That's what fucking kids Lesson do. Lesson learned. Let's be nice, guys. We're kids creating serial killers. <laughs> yeah, literally, we're creating serial killers. Of this shit. <laughs> but he, uh, he began his teenage years... Uh, honestly, as he was referred to as one of the best behaved kids in his age when he was an early teenager, but that anger and rage we talked about a minute ago, it would really, it would literally transform him to what they all call one of the worst troubled teens in his age and his grade in the area. He just became a fucking bad kid. What state did you say he was in? Nebraska. Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska is where most of this story takes place. Okay. Which talk about it a little later but it's not a very big town it's about a hundred thousand people at this time mm-hmm. so it's not massive city but it's not tiny town so yeah it's, it's a decent sized town in midwest america right um you can set the stage there if you want so we all know midwest america in the 50s we all have our mental image it's kind of how it was right lots of corn lots of family values lots of hardworking, nice people kind of thing yeah uh, you didn't step out of line you didn't do bad shit well he starts getting his fucking reputation as a tough guy oh basically he would literally fucking fight anyone that wanted to Mm. That's where that's the only because he's he, mad. That's the only way he could really start to get his anger and take it out. Yeah. Um. You know, one of his favorite classes at this time was his gym class, because he literally is the only way for him to f- channel his anger, and it's the only class he's good at because you know he can't see. He's having troubles with all those things. He's got the speech impediment, so the only right. class he's really good at is gym. So he's like, "Fuck it, I love gym." But he, he's wanting to fight everybody. He just wants to fight whoever he can. And he really started to model his image back in the day. So it's mid-50s. What was like? The greaser. Not, well, kind of, but who was the most popular person back then? Elvis? It was right before Elvis. Oh. Elvis was coming in towards the end of him. Was it the guy who drove the cars? James Dean? Yes. Okay. So he modeled his entire image back then. I knew that somewhere. The in Rebel the- Without a Cause. Yes. James Dean, Marlon Brando, hair slicked back, cigarette Grease hanging out back. of the mouth. Yeah, so... And he lived by this, the same mantra that James Dean had in Rebel Without a Cause, which was live free, die young. So he started adopting this and started really just, that was his persona he was becoming, right? God, he reminds me so much of, was it Richard Speck? Sort of. A little bit like Speck, yeah. So he had a high school, in high school, he he became friends with this guy named Bob. They became friends after they reportedly fought until no one fucking won. And then they're like... (laughs) Cool. You're so cool, dude. Pretty equally matched. We're bros now because I didn't beat the shit out of you. You didn't beat the shit out of me. So we're cool. That's how guys roll it, sometimes. It really is. It really is. Uh, Bob would even go on to state about him later on that, you know, Charles could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around. Everything was just, you know, a big joke to him. But he had this other side. He could be mean as hell, like super cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, better looking, better dressed, He'd try to take the poor bastard down to his size. He tried to bring him down to his level. Yeah. So that's important to remember because that really kind of fuels what happens with him later. Everybody to him is above him in status, whether it's... He has a chip on his shoulder. Well, yeah. He's poor. He's got all these issues. No one likes him. Mm -hmm. He's weird. He's kind of goofy looking. 
So literally, if you were popular or athlete or rich or well, to look him up. I he can't literally wanted to fight like. fucking everybody over that, right? So his thought yeah. was like, I'm going to bring you down to my place. Okay. You know, we talked about how he was in gym because that's how he could channel his anger and rage. But he even started using gym class to fucking pick on the other kids. Like oh, the wow. kids that used to bully him, he would he was bigger and stronger than a lot of them at this point. And they were scared of him because he didn't give a shit. He'd fight you. So he would use that time to pick on them. And if he disliked you, he literally just felt rage towards you. Like we were just talking about. Like if he didn't yeah. like you, for whatever reason, he fucking had not just anger. Like he had rage towards you just for you being you. He had some freaking issues. He definitely mm. um, had He a was a little goofy looking. He was. A little um, bit. His family later reported that they were afraid of his violent outbursts. It was uh, that as bad. As he was getting older. Yeah. So the older he's getting, the more his anger's kind of taking over him. He's getting bad. He would actually soon drop out of school at the age of 16. And he would work, you know, dead-end jobs. He mm-hmm. worked, I believe, at the newspaper warehouse um, where his boss would even treat him like he was mentally retarded. Oh, no. So, of course. Yeah. More anger, right? I mean, you. Did you hear if they ever got him glasses or? I didn't see He probably wouldn't wear them if glasses. he did. I don't think he did because he was poor as. Dog shit. Like he had nothing. And he's so worried about image too. He probably wouldn't have even. I don't even think he cared at this them. point, right? He's not trying to learn anymore. So yeah, he's that's just true. he's just like, fuck it. You want to make fun of me, I'm gonna fight you instead. Yeah. You know, and even as he was getting older because of his behavior and all those things, his relationship with his father really started to just shatter. Right. Mm-hmm. Dad was kind of an asshole, kind of a drunk, and he was this rebel fighter fucking guy, and he couldn't stand everybody. So, you know, obviously they just butted heads. Mm-hmm. And it came to the point where it was just beyond repair, and at 17, he would go live with his friend Bob. Oh. So he went and stayed at Bob's. I think they had an extra room or whatever, an apartment mm-hmm. connected to the house. He went and stayed there. And him and Bob still, they got along great, right? So they loved cars. They'd go down to the local racetrack and race tracks because remember that James Dean? Yeah. Rebel without a cause, that image. Then they began stealing cars. Uh, one, to joyride in them, and two, they'd strip them for parts to put on their hot rods they were trying to build. I wonder if he stole anything before cars. Because usually it starts out smaller, right? Yeah, I didn't find anything. You know, we always talk about the escalation to your mm-hmm. point. I didn't find anything really about him th- stealing a lot. Like food. Back or- then, it just mentioned him stealing cars. And I don't know if this was like a one or two time thing or like he was doing this on a regular. Yeah. It didn't. I didn't get any clarity there. I only found this in a couple sources, but I thought it was interesting to note. With cases this old, too, it's hard to... They didn't document everything <clears throat> in 1954. No. Like they do now. They you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it was all the time or just once in a while, but he, I just thought it was interesting that he, it's really that persona he's trying mm-hmm. to create. It's him stealing cars to build his hot rod and soup it up, right? Really cool. Like, Grease was popular back yeah. then. All that kind of shit. Like you said, the greasers. So then in early 1956, Charles and his friend Bob would venture out on a double date. See, Bob had a girlfriend whose name was Barbara, mm-hmm. and she had a younger sister. Uh-oh. So Bob brought Charles on a double date with her younger sister named Carol. Oh. Now, who is Carol? Because we're going to hear a lot about Carol in the yes. story. So Carol and Fugate. 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 That's how you say it. Fugate. Fugate. I think. I, I'm like, guessing. There's a couple of names in here a that documentary I'm documentary I watched on it a long time ago. It was yeah. Fugate. There's a couple of names that I might butcher <clears> and I apologize in advance. They're not easy to say. Uh, if I'm saying hers wrong, I you don't need Fugate. to apologize to me. <laughs> I don't really need to apologize to her ass either. Because no, you don't. We we'll can butcher why. her name. Screw uh, her. <laughs> yeah, no, but she was born on July 30th, 1943, mm-hmm. in Lincoln, Nebraska. Also, uh, to Velda and William Fugate. Now, her dad was a drunk and a convicted peeping tom. Holy. Um, I honestly tried to look whatever I could about her dad to see what the hell that even meant. He's got to be a pedophile or something. I, I think. I don't know if he was arrested for spying or looking at people's windows or what, but 
He was arrested for something. I couldn't find anything on it. There was very little about her family. We know he has rapey vibes. Yeah, oh, definitely, right? Uh, and he's a drunk, so he's just not, he's an all-around piece of shit at yeah. this point. Um, and I, like I said, there's not much about her family anywhere I could find. Mm-hmm. Just a little snippet. Even about her, if you look her up, everything's really about Charles. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit about her. It's more more about Charles, more about Charles. But yeah, That's so really I find crazy. That. I wonder why. You know, I think it's a combination of he was the focal point of the story. And she was younger too. I'm uh, sure. And we'll talk about later what could have caused him mm-hmm. to be more of the focal point. And then like to your point, this is not 19, this is not 2010 where everybody has social media. This is not right. electronic police records, all that kind of shit, right? So this is yeah. 1950s. Who knows what he even got arrested for? He probably would have been peeing outside and they arrested him. You know what I mean? Yeah, could have been exactly. Anything. But yeah, so I, her parents would actually later divorce when she was roughly about eight. Good mom. She was like, fuck you. You're yeah. a piece of shit. Get out of my house. Uh, but her mom would remarry a, name, a man named Marion Bartlett. And the, the couple would actually go on to have another young child, Betty Jean, in February of 1955. So at the age of 13 is when Carol meets Charles. She was 13? often 13. She was often described as very older looking. And many people back then said she could pass for an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, I put a note here because I want to talk about how creepy it is that this fucking dude is like 17 or 18. I was going to say, how old is Charles at this point? I think he's 18 at the time. Oh, he agreed weird. to go on a date with a 13 year old. <laughs> like to me, that's weird. I think to anybody that should be weird. But I think it was more <laughs> along the lines of that was his best friend's girlfriend's sister. Yeah. It was a little, it wasn't like he was just going to meet a 13 year old. So I think it grew into mm-hmm. what it became, but I don't think it may have started that way. It was more like, Hey, come with us, <laughs> double date. It's her sister. Come hang out kind of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, well, just, but it still turned out to what it was. Well, we were talking earlier how back then like 15 was like 30 now. Yeah. No shit. Right. <laughs> they were working in factories. Not and that that excuses They were getting this. engaged at 16. No, it's so weird. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, but you know, but Carol had a very tomboyish appearance. It never really calls her a tomboy, but I refer to her like that because mm-hmm. she wore boots, jeans, men's shirts with the sleeves rolled up. Hell yeah, uh, I was, would too. She was loud, rebellious. She had no fucking issues telling anybody her opinions. She cussed. She swore. I mean, so she's very much more of a tomboy in that age, right? Yeah. In the 1950s, that's not how women acted. Yeah, she's not especially young women. Yeah, she's, she's not. definitely acting like one of the boys or one of the dudes. Now she probably picked a lot of that up from a drunk dad. I was going to say, yeah, she doesn't, she probably doesn't have an example, a good example. So she probably picked a lot up from there. And and from what I gather, her mom was a bit of a fucking firecracker. You're going to see that later. Oh, okay. She wasn't like even keel, like just chill. (laughs) Yeah. But she also did uh, very poorly in school. Um, She was very sheltered and she was actually often also considered slower intellectually, which she actually was. So oh, unlike, she was. Unlike Charles, who had an undisclosed vision problem that they blamed it on him just being stupid. And he was really smart. Yeah. <clears throat> she actually was just not that intelligent. Or she had a lower IQ or a slower. Or however you well, who it. knows what it was back then? It could have been anything. I mean, it she could have been, been mentally challenged. She it could have been autis- autism. No it could have been. They just know she they was didn't diagnose anything. Basically slower then. than everybody else. Right. Uh, and a lot of those things didn't even exist back then. Yeah. Uh, to put how sheltered she was, though, she had only ever left her hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska once. Wow. And that was to go somewhere else in Nebraska. I forget where it was. Just basically as a family trip. Mm-hmm. You know, her stepdad, her little sister, uh, and her mom went somewhere. Like an hour away or some shit like that. That's insane. That's the only time she ever left. So she knew nothing outside of Lincoln and really didn't know anything outside of like her house and her little area. Yeah. Uh, other than school. And she happened to grow up in one of the poorer areas of the city. So she too is very poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a perfect fit for old Charles. You know, she likes... 
his bad reputation, even though he wasn't visually appealing. She didn't care because she grew up poor. He grew up poor. Their financial statuses and bad childhoods didn't matter to each other. They kind of bonded over that a little bit, I guess. Like I said, she swore like, guys, she didn't give two shits what people thought. So he fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. He was like, this chick's amazing. Perfect for I me. And she's young. I can, <laughs> like, I, can, I can manipulate her because she's young. Yeah. I don't know if he even thought that far. No, probably not. He was really just all about her. And mm-hmm. he became all about her so much so that after their first date, Carol actually went on another, like she saw another boy or went on another date with another boy after Uh-oh. his first date with her. Yeah. He tracked the boy down and threatened to fucking kill him if he ever saw her again. Oh. So that's how into her he is. Um, which is already a bad combination. Right? That should be a red flag for Carol. <laughs> yeah, but apparently she it loved wasn't. it. <laughs> this was a very romantic act to her. Oh, and after that, they went steady. They started going steady because she was like, "Oh, you're gonna fucking kill him for me? I love you. I love you. Yeah, you're hot." He would even when he would get out of work, mm-hmm. he would get out before she got out of school because he worked for I think it was the trash company at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitting. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I told you he worked remedial dead-end jobs because yeah. you'll see he hates working, he hates society and all that shit later. But he would actually go pick her up as soon as she got out of school. So he'd meet her every day. She'd get out of school and they'd go home together and do whatever they did. To go pick up my girlfriend from middle school. Pretty much. That's so I, freaking I, I nuts. I put that in here, but yeah, it'd be middle <laughs> school, wouldn't it? So as you can imagine, as you can guess, right, the couple's relationship would soon start to really bother her parents especially. Oh, I'm sure. And his parents somewhat. You know, her parents were like, He's kind of old for you. Yeah. And when I say his dad had issues that, you know, his, there was some issues there. If his dad's coming in saying, you know, I got a problem with this. Mm-hmm. Part of that came from, child. he was teaching her how to drive and him and his dad kind of co-owned the car mm-hmm. or his dad owned it and it was his, it said he co-owned it, but he don't know how he paid for it because he didn't have money, but whatever. Yeah. But his father was like, fuck you. She's not driving that car. I forbid her to drive yeah. that car. So what does Charles do? Let's her drive the car. Let's her drive anyway. And she gets into an accident in uh, the summer of 1957. Of course. And that's when things between him and his father get even worse. So bad so that his dad reportedly hit him so hard he went through a window. Ooh. So, I mean, they, they got physical. Head between trauma. The two. It doesn't report again head <laughs> trauma. But to your point. I bet you anything there always was. always fucking head trauma. The only reason in this story I don't see it as much is because he doesn't change. Yeah, that's true. He's already just angry and just. Yeah. So there's not a lot of change afterwards. Mm-hmm. However, it may have affected his decision-making or his morale. Impulse or control. Impulse control mm-hmm. or whatever it is because we do see that, like you said. Yeah. So at this point, things weren't bad or great, really. The couple just seemed to be happy using each other to escape from the world. Charles hated where he lived, where he grew up. And like I said, a town of roughly 100,000, uh, he hated the city. He just hated it. He wanted to be out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so like he said, he loved the country. He wanted to be – he was free out there. Like, and we've all, we've all felt that. You go out in the country and you just feel free. Yeah. You know? I would picture him as more of a city boy. He's, he hated it. Yeah. Because what he did was he liked the solitude. Because mm-hmm. remember, he hates people. If they're not just like him, mm-hmm. he fucking hates them. So Makes sense. That's like 99% of Lincoln, Nebraska, he hates. Yeah. So he likes to be out in the lone, in the solitude, in the wilderness with his thoughts. And she actually enjoyed that too because she just wanted to be around him. He would even take her hunting and then they would sit and lay in the fields after they hunted, you know, into the evening or late hours in the afternoon and watch the stars and stuff like that. Yeah. Which doesn't really seem, doesn't seem bad at all. Bad. But hold on. Oh, okay. Because this is where shit gets fucking weird. Like weird. And this is where you start to see this dude has some issues. <laughs> uh, so while they're out there one night, you know, just staring into the sky, he told her um, that he had made a deal with death. 
Okay. You see, he told her apparently death came to him. But not only did the death just come to him, death came to him and took him to hell. Oh, okay. Uh, this, as he described, half man, half bear. Bear. Death is a bear. Half, okay. Half bear. Uh, half, half man. Bear. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> took him to a place that he said wasn't as bad as he imagined. Oh, okay. There's there's a part where he kind of describes like golden flames and all this stuff, but it was just some of the stuff he talks about, and you've obviously dealt with this when you're covering some of these guys, and it's all their account. It's like what? Some of the stuff they start talking about, you're like, all right, shut up. You're just saying stupid shit now just to get yeah. attention because you're enjoying the attention. Yeah. And that's how I felt is what he was describing some of this stuff, but it's, you can't pass on this part of the story, right? Oh, no. This is pure gold. <laughs> yeah. Because well, we can make fun of him. <laughs> she fucking loved it. Oh, I'm sure. So much. She looks up to him. That she wanted to go with him. Into death? I don't want to hell. Oh. I, want, I mean, just to clarify. She wants to die with Carol him. Carol wanted to go with Charles. To hell. To hell. Okay. So at this point, Charles had absolutely found what he was always looking for. Something to love that was worth killing for. And he wanted to prove his love to her. And mm-hmm. wanted to, she wanted to, he wanted her to see him go out shooting. Knowing that he was doing it for her. It's not good, guys. It's so not he, good. He wants her to see him die in a blaze of glory, you know, basically killing whatever mm-hmm. in her honor, basically. Like, what the fuck? Please don't. He's only 18. Yeah. I mean, he might still be 17 at this point. I can't remember. Um, That's not good. Yeah, I know. I know. No. I know she thinks it's romantic. But it's, it's not good, but you can see where it's building, right? It's no bueno. It's got that Bonnie and Clyde feel to it. Yeah. Um, and at this point, and, you know, he'd been a minor criminal, well, minor scraps, no real criminal record, just a reputation for being like a, a hoodlum mm-hmm. and a fucking kid that would get in fights all the time. Uh, however, he had to prove his love and he had to prove that he was a hardened criminal. So she'd stay with him. I mean, that's what he thinks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, that's not me saying that's what he needs to do. I was going to say, did she say you need to no, do this that? this is literally his mind telling him that. I need to show her show how, her bad how badass I am and how yeah. much of a criminal I am and so she'll love me, right? Okay. Fucking weird. And like I said here, I put a note here that I couldn't find anything saying she said that to him. But he thinks it. Again, you know, you'll see at the end when they get arrested, he just fucking talks. He's another one of those ones that just tells the stories. They love to talk. A lot of them because they've held it all in for so long. She didn't so much. Yeah. So a lot of what you hear in the stories of him, a lot of what I haven't hear, a lot of the books that are about him are all on his account. Because mm-hmm. he talked. Because he talked, right. Exactly. So he told these stories and you'll see this right. later. Uh, but I, I couldn't find that she said shit like that to him. So it was just his mind. So he came up with an idea. He said, I'm going to rob banks. Because bank robbing is like the ultimate crime. Not really <laughs> killing people. You're making money. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, it's the 1950s. We just got past the glory days of the mafia and Al Capone and Dillinger. And He's probably a fan of all them. And abs- I guarantee you he is if he knows about them because you know, yeah. Dillinger was, what, the 40s? Mm-hmm. He was public enemy number one. He was a badass. He, he did whatever just he wanted. Like him. He had that James Dean vibe to him. You know? mm-hmm. So bank robbing, like that was the cool thing. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to rob a bank. He wasn't dumb. He knew he had to build up to that. He wasn't just going to be like, one day I'm going to be a bank robber or just start that way. He was like, I I need to like maybe do some smaller Mm -hmm. crimes before I get to that level. So uh, fuck it. Let's rob a gas station. Oh, before he robbed the bank, he's going to rob a gas station first. I'm going to knock over a gas station Mm -hmm. so that way I build up to my skill set, I guess. Gotcha. Or maybe he was a little scared. I don't know what it was. But he wanted to build up to bank robbing. But that was going to be his ultimate plan. Got to crawl before you walk. I'm going to tell you right now, I wish this (laughs) motherfucker got into bank robbing. 
Yeah, instead. Instead of what he ended up doing. Same. So he's like, fuck it. Sounds like a great plan. I'm going to rob a gas station. And he knew one that was perfect because mm-hmm. they would never be suspicious of him. See, remember I told you he was poor. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of times that he didn't pay his rent. So he'd be locked out of his apartment. So he would sleep in the parking lot of this gas station numerous times. And uh, he knew everybody there. All the mm-hmm. night guys, all the night shift guys knew him. So they wouldn't be afraid of him coming in at right. three in the morning or whatever it is. They're going to be like, oh, it's fucking Charles. He must not have paid his rent again kind of thing. Yeah. So he's a regular. He's like, okay, let me do this because that's, that's a little easier for me to do it that way. Uh, great way to start my criminal career. Nice and easy one. It would definitely be the way for him to start his criminal career. So. What do you mean? That's, I mean, his criminal career, the story of Let's Charles Starkweather starts would start right here at that gas station. Okay. Um, so trigger warning. I know if you're listening to this, you like true crime and murders, but this is where the murders start. Okay. We're going to start getting into some Hold on to your butts. Right? (laughs) So there's your trigger warning. This is, it's it's not fun. Um, Buckle up. But it only gets worse, so don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We're not worried. (laughs) on the night of December 1st, 1957, Robert Colvert was working at the gas station. He was 21, was recently married to his wife, Charlotte. And Robert, or little Bob as he was often referred to, had just gotten out of the Navy. Charlotte was pregnant with their first child, so little Bob started working at oh. nights because he was just trying to bring an extra cash yeah. to help the family out. have a baby on the way. But since he just started there, he didn't really know Charles. He didn't know Charles slept there from time to time, so he wasn't, he didn't know who this dude was. Yeah. So about 3 a.m., Charles shows up, sees this dude he's never met before, so he's like, fuck, my plan's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right? So he just goes in, buys some cigarettes, and was just fucking nervous, so he just left. Okay. Okay. Well, then he came back. Oh, no. Did the same thing. Bought some gum. Mm Mm-hmm. And left. Now, at this point, he's saying the first time he was nervous. The second time he went back, he was double-checking kind of. I was casing. Kind of casing the place to making sure his plan was there. There wasn't other people there because he didn't know this guy, right? So he was expecting to see someone he knew. Yeah. So he went back a second time to be like, you know, is Stevie or Joey working today? Okay. No, it really is just this new guy. Okay, cool. Um, which makes sense because if it's a new person, a lot of times he got a trainer with him or whatever it may be. So Charles returns again, uh, this time with a shotgun in hand. And he went back into the gas station with a bandana over his face and a hunting cap to cover his fucking red hair. Mm-hmm. How That's easy a telltale is it to identify? sign. Because he's, he's not planning on harming anybody. He's <clears> just trying to rob him. He told Robert to fill the bank, hand him the money. And, you know, Robert was complying. However, mm-hmm. there was a huge flaw in his plan. Wow. Robert was new. He didn't know how to open the safe. Oh, shit. So Charles is like, uh, what the fuck, dude? Mm-hmm. So he panics. Does He's not getting the money he's planning on. He's planning on walking out with hundreds of dollars, right? And he's probably got 50 bucks to his name from the register. Just what's in the register. Right. So he's like, fuck it. So what's he do? Takes Robert hostage. Why not? Sounds like a great plan. Oh, so he forces him into the car and they drive away. And while they're driving away, he has a shotgun in Robert's face. So, so Robert's well, in his car right now. Yeah. In the passenger seat with a shotgun in his face. Because a lot of people would be like, why would Robert get in the car with him and not, you know, there's a shotgun Yeah, he face. made him. <laughs> so he's obviously scared. Now, Carol's not here, right? No, this okay. is just Charles. Because he was trying to go, he wasn't trying to kill anybody. He was trying to go rob a store to prove to her. Yeah. I'm a fucking super criminal mastermind. Look at me. And she would love him forever. Billy Badass. Yeah, exactly. Now, they, uh, they headed out of the area to, it was something familiar for everybody out there. They called it Lover's Lane. They had those back in the day. Yeah. Know, make out mountain mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Make out mountain. Sex. 
I don't even know what whatever you would call that one. Sex stone path. I ran out of S words. Sex street. I guess. Sex street. I don't know. Sexy um, street. And this is where things kind of take a drastic turn. And this is where I tell you, it is so hard to understand 100% if this is accurate or not. Again, all of what happens in a lot of these stories is Robert's word. Okay. Robert's word? Not Robert's. I'm sorry. Charles's word. Charles's word. Everything in these stories is Charles telling them. Not like evidence or anything? Not witnesses, not cameras, not evidence. The only evidence they really talk about is bodies because this is 1950. Let's be serious. They're not like doing forensics. That sucks, right? But then again, what else do we have? Right. So I don't know if what happened next is true or not. We all know, and I've said this before, there's three sides of the truth, three sides of a story. Mm -hmm. There's what you say, what I say, and somewhere in the middle is is what really happened. (laughs) So here we are, and the only person that can tell the story is Charles. But what he says is that Robert made a grab for his gun. Okay. And Charles claims he shot himself the first time. He was holding the front of the gun. I cocked it, and then he jerked it so it went off in his face. So he sh- Robert shot his own self. Yeah, so basically what he's saying is he points the gun, and he's got the gun yeah. in his face. And what he's saying is he cocks it. And then he and grabbed it. He grabs it, causing him to pull the trigger. Right. Okay, what the fuck ever. So Robert hit the ground. Um, he was still alive. So he, he tried to get up, but Charles just reloaded, put the gun to his head, pulled the trigger. Right. Uh, and to his account, he said, uh, yeah, he didn't get up anymore. I believe that part. Yeah. I don't know if I believe the first part. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't either. And it actually comes into play later. Okay. Um, so Charles would feel like he has never felt before now. Like killing this man made him feel... This ultimate high. Like, he felt fucking free. He can kill somebody. He's fucking happy. He picked up Carly that later that day. Because remember, this is like 3 in the morning, 3 or 4 in the morning. Picked Carol. her up later in that day. Uh, told Carol, her what happened. Right? Carol. Okay. I'm messing names up all over the place. You said Carly. I'm like, well, who's that? There's there's <laughs> Charles. They call him Charlie. There's Carol. There's another Carol. There's another Carol? <laughs> yeah, oh, so, God. I mean, We're going to be the so names lost. Get a little confused. <laughs> They're just spelled differently. So yeah. hers is actually spelled C-A-R-I-L. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it is. It's not your typical C-A-R-O-L or anything like that. Her name is actually C-I-R-I-L. So he picked her up, though, and he told her what happened, but claimed that there were some other guys with him during the robbery that were helping him. They killed the kid. He didn't want to admit to her that he killed? Well, he wanted to test the waters, I think. Okay. doesn't say that, but I'm thinking he yeah. like, He wanted to see if she'd be like, oh, you didn't kill him? Or like, oh, thank God you didn't kill him. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he disposed of the gun. However, a few days later, he uh, went back, cleaned it. And uh, put it back where it came from because you see he, he stole it from Bob's cousin's house. Oh no! Off the wall. Jesus. Because you know it's Nebraska, and we all know those Midwesterners. And back in the fifties and sixties, they'd have the shotgun mounted on a yeah, or by rack, the front door, or, or by the front door, right? Yeah. So he stole it from the house. No one ever knew it. So he went back, cleaned it, and then put it back. No one ever knew it was missing. No one ever fucking knew this gun was taken, murdered somebody, used to murder was gone somebody for a few days, and then came back spotless. Goodness gracious. Which, to our point, if it's always in your house, like in the corner or something, you don't check it every day. No, you don't. You don't even notice it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Sadly, Robert's wife would give birth to their daughter in April of the following year, just five months after Robert was killed over $108. $108. And is that worth it? No. (laughs) Back then, that was probably a couple thousand now. But still, Robert lost his life over $108. No. And his beautiful daughter never had a father. Yeah. Because of that's stuff. shitty. I don't like it's that. Pretty shitty, right? And just so he could try to be so Billy Badass to his Billy girlfriend, rebel without a cause. James Dean, look how fucking cool I am. To kind his of guy. child girlfriend. So 
sick. Yeah, his child's girlfriend. Exactly. So that's what they classify. You know, there's two stages of his story, really. There's what they call the first murder, which was obviously Robert. Mm -hmm. The reason they split them up, because that is the only one you're going to see that Carol is not present. Present, okay. So they separate him to say, he did this on his own. Mm -hmm. Here's where she comes into the story, kind of thing. Now, she was the motive, but she wasn't there. So after the murder, Charles went back about his business. Police were investigating. Starvick Weather's name actually came up a bunch. Really? You know, they're questioning all the other gas station attendants, all these people, anybody come around, anything suspicious, and his name would come up. Like, well, he yeah, would, he stays here sometimes. He would sleep in his car here a yeah. lot of times. We'd see him mm-hmm. a lot at 2, 3 in the morning. But I guess cops just didn't see enough there, so they didn't follow up. Uh, didn't see any reason to question him. Well, they didn't have, what, CCTV? Yeah, no, and I get it. They didn't have a lot other than, like, I'm sure they named 20 people that were always in the store at night, right? So you have people working night shifts, coming off night shifts. I'm sure these guys ran off a list of 20, 30 people that, well, how do you know them? Well, he sleeps in his car here. Or he comes in every night for coffee at 2 a.m. kind of thing. Yeah. So they're probably like, fuck it. And probably gas stations back then were probably a hop in place. The transient stops where people drive. Yeah. Like, you know, so I mean, they're, yeah, they're one of the only places open Mm -hmm. that time of night in town. Mm -hmm. So it's, they didn't think anything of it. You know, I put a note in here because obviously here we see that police possibly could have intervened here. Yeah. Would that have done anything? Would they have gone anywhere? Probably fucking not. Was it, was he questioned or do you know? No, it says they didn't see a reason to question him. They never talked to him. They they just didn't. They never talked to him. Yeah. I would have at least spoken to him to see if he saw anything unusual. Maybe, right? Were you there that night? They said you seen you around. Did you see anything unusual? But no, they didn't talk to him. And like I said, I, I don't know if they had questioned him. He would have broken down and been like, oh, I did it kind of thing. No, um, I don't know either, but worth a shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. But yeah. maybe they could have stopped mm-hmm. the ensuing murders of 10 people. That's right. I hate to say it, but yeah. I don't want to blame them for it like we do in other cases where they did fuck up royally. Yeah. This is just like, could it have stopped it? There's they, a chance. They, they could have done more. We'll it put may have it been that a 5% way. 5% chance, maybe a 2% chance, but there is a chance that they could have somewhat prevented things or at least. They could have intervened. We're always going to call up pl- the police out when we feel they could have done more or yeah, they didn't do enough. It's not like they're, they're they bad people wrong. or anything, but, but sometimes no. a lot of these older stories, older police yeah. work, they just fucked up. Yeah. They, they didn't just, talk to somebody. They ignored shit. They didn't pay attention to something. And I don't know why. And that doesn't just say that they would have stopped murders. There's a couple times they would have. Mm-hmm. Ed Kemper is a prime example. His car is fucking covered in blood. Oh my God. He was covered in blood. If they just would have pushed that one traffic stop a little further. Exactly. <laughs> so many lives could have been but saved. It's not quite that serious in <clears> this <throat> one, right? Yeah. So Charles actually grew so fucking happy. Oh, I'm sure. He's like, no one wanted to question me for this crime. I can get away with anything. He felt powerful because he beat the law enforcement and he knew he could if he wanted to. Well, he's young. This reinforces. Like, hey, I can get away with anything. Exactly. And because of the way he is and his mentality, mm-hmm. he's like, now I can beat the cops. I'm smarter than them. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So his newfound success actually made him quit his job. He hated, see, he hated the job at the gas, at uh, the garbage company, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fucking hated it. He, you'll see later, he pretty much hates society. So school, work, anything that's not his own fucking free rule, mm-hmm. his decision. He can't just go out and be a shithead on his own. Yeah. He that, hates anything him. else he hates. Uh, so he quit that job. And uh, he would just spend his time doing what he loved. He would work on his car. He would go to the movies. He'd go shooting and knife throwing. With what money? Well, we're going to see here. Okay. Um, now, remember back in those days, I think you'd go to the movies for like a quarter. 
Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like here where you got to spend seventeen ninety five to get a ticket and forty two fifty five for a bucket of popcorn. And I guess he has one hundred and eight dollars now. So. Had one hundred eight dollars, and one hundred eight dollars would go a little ways mm-hmm. in nineteen fifty. You wouldn't couldn't live on it for the rest of your life, obviously, but you could probably no. live a week or so on that stuff, depending on your needs. Probably. Um, but not long after he left his job, and he still had a job too. Mm-hmm. Till now, and then uh, money got tight again. His robbery money was gone, so he needed more money. But old Charlie's not worried. Why? He evaded the cops before, been successful robbing, so he could do it again. He well, also, yeah. He also didn't care if he had to kill someone to do it. He's already done it and gotten away with it. So he didn't give a shit. He's not worried. Cool. <laughs> okay. But, but now, this time. <laughs> you know, well, now this is where things start to build up. Mm-hmm. So we all know things build up so much before they explode. We see it in a lot of the stories similar to this one. Maybe not some of your true serial killers, but mm-hmm. your, your ra- he's more of a rage spree killer. Than mm, a serial yeah, killer. I he can totally see that. He wasn't really targeting anything. It was no. more opportunity, more yeah, needs at the time, mm-hmm. random kind of thing. So he's more of a rage killer. So in those situations, you see with Jasmine, a lot of these other things, they boil up, right? Things mm-hmm. happen around them that just get to a breaking point. And yeah. Shit goes bad. Jasmine was very targeted. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So on 19th of January in 1958, Charles <laughs> and Carol had a fucking blowout. For the first time in their fucking romance. They had never had issues. To him, it was a fucking Disney story. Like mm-hmm. a storybook romance. So her family didn't approve of him. And they kept wearing on her. Uh, and they actually feared that she had been uh, pregnant. Uh-oh. Because she was putting on weight. Whoa. So you remember, this is 1950s. So yeah. if a girl puts on a couple pounds, she's pregnant. They didn't have pregnancy tests, so. Right. They're like, oh, you're pregnant. You gained three pounds. Like, whatever. So when he showed up, she actually blew up on him. I uh, told him, I don't want to fucking see you anymore. I'm tired of your- Carol said that? Yeah. Wow. I'm tired of your bullshit. I'm tired of your fucking hoodlum shit. Because mm-hmm. she's, I think she's torn between her parents and him at the time. Yeah. Because they're they're blowing up at her. So she's like, uh, so she blows up at him. But, uh, you know, it doesn't face Charlie. Oh. Well, Charles Starkweather didn't care. She's just mad. Like, women get mad. Yeah. She'll get over it. She's been fighting with her parents. I know she's been fighting with her parents. She's just an angry woman right now. Mm-hmm. She'll be fine later. Yeah, exactly. He figured she would calm down. Things would be okay. Besides, he was supposed to go hunting like two days later, I believe it was, uh, with her stepdad. Oh. Because they occasionally went hunting together and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they're supposed to be going hunting. So he's like, I'll just fucking let her cool off. Mm-hmm. It's like two days from now. So I'll just see her when I go meet Marion to go hunting because I got to go to her house. So on the 21st of January, he went and borrowed his brother's hunting rifle to go hunting. Uh, the only reason he borrowed it, because he couldn't get his own rifle. Because it was in his apartment, which was... And he didn't pay the rent. Fucking locked because he didn't <laughs> pay the rent. Uh, so he couldn't get in there. So he went to his brother's house uh, and borrowed his twenty two uh, rifle and then went to Carol's house to meet up with Marion to go hunting. Uh, as Charles sat in the living room waiting for Marion, he just sat there fucking cleaning his gun like a hunter would do, prepping to go out or whatever. Uh, well, Carol's mother, Velda, came into the room, told him to leave, never come back. Marion's not coming and he ain't going hunting with you. Charles was like, Okay. Just sat there. Stone-faced. Didn't say shit. Like, I'm not leaving. Didn't even say anything. Didn't even, like, acknowledge her. And according to him, that's when she, quote, slammed the shit out of his face. (gasps) So she walloped his ass. Remember I told you? She's She's not not even killed. Yeah, she's got a little spitfire to her. (laughs) Yeah, she does. I can't blame her, though. Now, Charles is actually, if you haven't figured this out, he's a little bitch. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, (laughs) Little bitch. Being the little bitch that (laughs) he is. Bitch. He got out and ran out of the house. <laughs> she hit me kind of thing, right? 
He's like, ah, like I can see him like that dude in Friday. Yeah. Like running down the street, holding his face, like crying. Like that's how I pictured it. Uh, but he forgot his brother's rifle. Oh no. He has to go back in and get it. So he went and he went turned around, went back to the house to get it. This time he got to the door. Well, fucking Marion was standing there. Oh, he was fucking screamed at him. Ooh. but old Charlie didn't care. And he just barged right past him, pushed him out of the way to go get his brother's, brother's rifle. You know, they're poor. He's mm-hmm. not going to leave the rifle. rifle there. Exactly. Because uh, if push comes to shove, he can eat with that. Yeah. So when he got in there, got past his, he, he just barges past Marion, like we said. And when he gets in there, Carol and her mom are fighting again. But old Velda sees old fucking Charles walk in the door. Uh-oh. She just fucking laser beams at him, right? She's, she turns all her attention from her daughter to this guy, this piece of shit, right? So she just starts fucking hitting him. And she's screaming that he got her daughter pregnant. I kind of like the mom. <laughs> yeah, this time he didn't sit there and do nothing or run Uh-oh. away like a little bitch. He hit her square in the face. He hit the mom? Yeah. <gasps> and as he did this, apparently it set her into like some Viking fit of rage. And she screamed like some war cry. He describes it as a war cry. Oh, wow. Well, I bet. She lets out a war cry after he just wallops her one in the face. Um, I'm guessing, because remember Carol's real dad was divorced and was mm-hmm. drunk. I'm guessing he She's probably been hit before. threw hands with her a few times before, so this didn't phase her as much. Um, but at that point, Marion comes fucking flying in the room. Like, he hears her screaming, saw him fucking just smoke his wife with a, with a shot to the face. Oh, God. So he's like, fuck yeah, I'm coming in. Uh, I don't know why I got so ghetto with that description. I got I was using my hands and everything. I don't know what. Well, if you could imagine, <laughs> imagine one of the girls bringing a boy home that hit me. Oh, I'd go through walls. Fuck. Uh, you I'd would teleport. Be, I would teleport. I'd teleport through like a fucking black hole into the room, like, like a fucking mutant from X Men. You wouldn't have to worry. I would take care of it. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, Marion comes flying in the room, and he just fucking grabs Charles by the throat, drags him to the door. Wow. Well. Little Charles is going to fight back like a little bitch. But he is. And he fucking kicks Marion in the nuts. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and then the two start wrestling. Well, he's got him by the throat. He's dragging him. So the only thing he can do is, thing to do is he just hits him in the nuts. And they start wrestling. And eventually Marion gets up. Apparently, this is all Charles' story again, don't forget. Mm-hmm. Marion's fucking had enough. And he's going for a weapon. So what does Charles do? Yeah, Charles is. Uh, Could be true. It could be, but the way it's described is just like, maybe he, he got blind rage. Yeah. And was like, you just hit my wife, kicked me in the ball sack. Like, <laughs> this is not cool, guy. Right. Um, <laughs> so Charles goes looking for a gun, too, or any kind of weapon. Uh, so he just runs over, grabs the rifle, throws a round in it. And uh, as he turns, Marion's charging at him with a fucking hammer. And he just fucking shoots him in the head. Wait, I didn't know that he killed. Oh, just wait. So he shoots her dad. Charles shot her stepdad. In the head because her dad's charging at him with a hammer. Again, his story. You'll notice every one of his stories, he says somehow it's self-defense. Yeah. That's his thing. It's weird how it's but always self-defense. It is. But remember every serial killer has their thing? That's yeah, his thing. That's, that's like, his thing. That's his thing. Right? So Velda, her mom, sees all this go down. So she grabs a fucking knife. And what does she do? She threatens to cut his fucking head off. That He just shot According to Charles. Yes, according yeah. to Charles. But she just shot, he just shot her husband. So she grabs a knife and is like, I'm going to fucking cut your head off. Yeah. So. Don't know how much of that is. Yeah, exactly. Plausible. Exactly. Uh, but I he, think she would have screamed crying and fallen to the ground. But Probably. But he reloaded the rifle. Uh, but his partner in crime, well, well Carol wasn't going to let someone harm her boyfriend. So she grabbed the gun <gasps> and threatened to shoot her mother. Again, his account. This did not work. 
<laughs> her mother was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and she knocked Carly down. Uh, Carol. Carly. I, say, I keep saying Carly. Because <laughs> it's C-A-R-I-L. It looks like C-A-R-L-I. Carol, Car- yeah. If you flip the I and the E, the I L. I see why it And went. then you're looking at it typed out. It looks like sometimes Carly if you're reading fast. So I'm sorry. It was Carol. But she, her mom knocks her down because she's ignoring her, Like, shut the fuck up. Get out of my way kind of thing, right? <laughs> well, he's still got a gun. So he grabs the gun and shoots her in the face. So now he's killed both of her parents. Uh, and then Carol's. he proceeds to pound her face with the butt <gasps> of the rifle while she's on the ground. He's angry at her. Yeah, he's a little mad. It's a little ragey. Right he's there. angry because she insulted him. Now, I will warn you, this part is bad. This part's bad? This part is very bad. Um, okay. Not so much in the graphic nature, but if you don't like kids dying. I mean, who does? Go ahead and fast forward a little bit because that's what we're about to get into. Can I leave? Yeah, I know. You you (laughs) might want to. Uh, Like I said, this part was rough. See, Betty Jean had witnessed all this. All the screaming and And noise. And how old is she now? She's two. No. No, She's she's two years old. This was her two-year-old baby sister. And like I said, all that commotion, gunshots. She's fucking screaming. She's screaming. She's right? terrified. It's her mommy. So he turns and hits her with the butt stock of the gun. He just no. butt strokes this kid. Fucking monster. Did not have the effect he wanted. She started screaming louder. He hurt her. So he grabbed a knife and threw it at her, hitting her in the throat and killing her. He would later claim. I'm going to cry. He would later claim that he was just aiming for her chest, not her neck. Oh, what that's so much better. What the fuck do you think is going to happen if you hit a two-year-old with a knife in the it's chest? so much better, Charles. Oh, you didn't mean to hit her in the throat and kill her. You just wanted to stab her with it. Okay, cool. So much better. I'm sick. I'm yep. sick. It's, it's, I told you that part is rough. Um, probably one of the worst things in the story. And Carol is probably like fine with it all. She's fine with it all, according to him. Yeah. Again, this is according to him. Charles then took the knife and went into the other room where Marion was and... Carly had yelled at him and said, hey, he's still alive. Yeah. So he went oh, so in. So Miriam's still alive. Yeah. So both Barely. went into the room and stabbed him in the neck a bunch of time. Wow. And then the psychopath went and sat down, reloaded his gun, and then turned on the TV because it was just too quiet now. Yeah, with everyone dead, for sure. Yeah. Later that wow. night, the couple would wrap the body of uh, Carol's parents in rugs and sheets. They would take them outside where... Velda, her mother, was dumped in an outside toilet, kind of mm-hmm. like an outhouse type thing. Uh, and on top of her, Billy, Betty Jean was placed in a box. And her stepfather, Marion, his body was dumped and hidden in an old chicken coop on the property. I don't think I'm going to be able to shake the thought of that baby. I know. Oh my God. The young, it's the same thing that happened with um, when we did Jasmine. That's yeah. That's the worst part of the story there, too. Yeah. He, the kid was only like five years older or something like that. Jeez. So after all this is done, the couple goes inside, cleans mm-hmm. up the place, and sat down and watched TV. Uh, wow. They just butchered her whole family, dumped them in the yard, and went to watch TV. Now, this is where she does claim that she, this is not true. None of this happened. Uh, Starkweather actually took her family hostage before she got home and then threatened to kill her, to kill them all if she didn't cooperate with him. But he swore the opposite. He swore she was exaggerating all this activity to happen. And that was, he was even egging him on uh, to do it. She was even like, fucking kill him kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So there's where you get these two varying stories. What do you think? I think 100% she was egging him on. I, so far, I definitely think she was egging him on. I mean, I, I'm a little biased. 
because I've read the, I know the whole story in and out. Mm-hmm. So I know where things go and kind of yeah, things. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I know. Cause I kind of know where things go roughly. Yeah, I mean, she do. wouldn't, the way she behaved behaves later in the story is not indicative of being. She's never once really indicative of being, being a victim. Exactly. That's, that's part of a huge defense against her defense. Yeah. But Charlie was kind of clever. So he would call Marion's job and tell them he was sick and he wouldn't be in for a few days. And then he would park his car at a friend's house. And then Miriam's walk. car? Yeah. No, no. His own car. Charles's, Charles's car. Okay. Because he doesn't want everybody to know his car's there. Right. So, because that would look weird if people were coming around and stuff like that if his car was always there. Because I guess it wasn't there that often. Uh, so then he went and parked it at a friend's house and came back to the house. Yeah. He didn't hang out with the family a lot, I'm no, sure. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think he knew if he left his car out there too long, people would be like, what the fuck is that car doing here? Because it's yeah. the 50s. This is, remember, think of the summer Everybody's the 50s. nosy. Nosy as shit. They know everybody's everything, right? So according to Charles, the two spent the best week of his life, basically, uh, in this house after the killings, living like husband and wife. So they, they were bumping uglies in the house. Uh, according to him, they were having sex every day and twice on Sundays. Wow. Yeah. Um, in the house that you just killed your entire, entire family. In that baby. Yep. And he would go for groceries uh, with the money that Marion had on him when he, when they killed him. Took the money, would go get groceries. According to her, she was tied up this entire time. Mm-hmm. None of this was happening. According to him, they would spend their weeks playing TV or watching TV, playing cards, having sex, and even tending to the family pets. <laughs> oh, they didn't kill the pets. No. <laughs> well. They even put a sign on the window that said, whole family is sick with the flu. Stay away. So, I mean, they're covering their bases a little bit. They don't want people poking around or doing all these things, right? He definitely <laughs> is covering his bases. It doesn't really matter because when your family is all in that area, if your parents put a sign up that said, go away, sick, you might go away for a day. Then you're going to come back and be like, I haven't heard from y'all. Yeah, cousin, exactly. Right? So, on Saturday the 25th, Barbara, Carol's sister, and her husband, Bob, Charles's friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Barbara's older. Yes, yes. Barbara's a couple. I couldn't remember if she was three or four years older, but she was definitely 17 or 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bob, of course, was his friend that beat each other up and be like, hey, we're buddies now. Um, they came to the house because they had just had a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. So they came to visit the family. Carol sees them coming up. She's like, family's sick. They're quarantined. As soon as, as, soon as they're better, they'll see you. Don't come in. Another reason why I don't believe that she's because she could have said, hey, I'm being held hostage. Exactly. And you're going to see that there's like 25 chances for her to do that. Yeah. Barbara, like any normal family says she was that she is, was like, I don't give a fuck if they're sick. I want them to see my baby. (laughs) Yeah. Let me come in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's a little worried because she hasn't heard from her mom. Yeah. Uh, So she just keeps walking in the door. Carol eventually yells at Barbara to go away if she knows what's best so mother wouldn't get hurt. Mm-hmm. So she's probably buying into this is Charles or something like that because apparently the whole family fucking hated him. Apparently. I mean, he had the reputation of that kid. You know what I mean? I'd hate him. I mean, it's kind of sad, but Barbara, it scared her off. It sat badly with her. But oh, I hate that. I mean, I she didn't like issue. it, but she's yeah. like, I don't want to chance it just in case something might happen to my mother because of fucking crazy boy. Right? So she didn't want to chance it. So she left. Plus, she's got the newborn with her. So she really doesn't want to risk the newborn. So she goes home, takes the baby. Uh, after that, Bob and Charles' brother Rodney go back mm-hmm. to the house. They get. I was going to say, where's her boyfriend? They he get the same fucking warning. Family's sick. They get closer. Don't get away or the fucking her mom's going to get hurt or some shit like that. So they leave. They call the cops. The cops arrive. This is where the story should end. 
Exactly. But Carol feeds in the same story about the flu and asked that the family and Bob, but that they keep family and Bob out of it because Bob didn't get along with the family. That's why he was calling the cops. So basically she paints Bob as the bad boyfriend. He's being crazy. He hates us. Our family hates him. He knows it. So that's why he's calling yeah. the cops. And she's a 13-year-old girl. So she's much easier to believe. Yeah. Right? She's much easier to believe than a grown man. So nothing was really out of the ordinary. And she was relaxed. She wasn't like scared. She wasn't wound up. Was she Charles anxious. around? I think he was inside the house. Yeah. So they didn't see Charles. Oh, yeah. Be I like, think he uh, stayed out of the sight for everything. You're 13. Why are you shacked up here with the. But they probably knew the family. Yeah. They probably knew the family wasn't home sometimes or she would be home by herself at third. So they probably didn't think anything of it. Nothing was out of the ordinary. So they leave. Oh, God. They, there's no reason for them to stay, really. You know what I mean? Charles got away with it, with it again. Yeah. They did. Um, he beat the cops twice now. Yeah, so he so Charles leaves for a little bit. He goes and backs to drop the rifle off. And he actually calls Barbara to assure her that he was out buying the family groceries and called his brother and let him know where the gun was. Like, like nothing was going on. He left Carol alone? Yeah, just to go get groceries, go to drop the gun off because it was the murder weapon. Further proof she's not. Right, and then he also calls her sister. It was like, hey, I know you were concerned. Mm-hmm. I just went over there and I'm buying groceries for him right now. Nothing to worry about kind of thing, right? Don't go in here. Them. They're really sick. Kind of bullshit. So, and he calls his brother and says, hey, I remember I borrowed your gun. Here's where it is. It's over at fucking Bobby's house or whatever. So his brother would later notice, though, that when he picked up the gun, that the butt plate was just gone. So the butt plate is the very back end of the gun, the butt that goes against your shoulder. A lot yeah. of older guns have metal plates there. You lost that when you beat someone with plastic it. plastic or something. Mm-hmm. That was gone from beating people with it. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know it was from beating people with it, right? But this fucking continues. Like, family members just keep showing up. Because I'm sure as one person and more people are hearing about, have you heard from mom? Have you heard from mom? I went there. This is weird kind of shit, right? Charles' sister, Lavetta comes by. And she's uneasy about what she was told and what was going on. Because Carol told her that Charles was planning a robbery. So Mm -hmm. that's why she couldn't come in. Because her family doesn't mean anything to his sister. She's just trying to check on her brother. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And Carol's like, no, he's planning a robbery, so you should go. Okay. She'd probably uh, like, yeah, probably. Well, no, Lavetta <laughs> left and ran to tell her father who didn't believe her. What? That's he's like, he's the like, most that, believable thing he's said He's like, that yet. piece of shit probably is planning a lot of robbery oh, or, yeah. or didn't think there was anything wrong because of yeah. it. He didn't really think any need to get involved, right? <laughs> so then the following Monday, which is like two days later, Patsy Street, who is Carol's grandmother, so Velda's okay. mother, uh, she shows up. Yeah. Same fucking series of events. Oh, they have the flu. Oh, that doesn't work. I'm sorry, but if I hadn't spoken to my mom, probably in three hours, she would call the cops. But, Much less right, exactly. days. Your mom does that when we go somewhere and you don't have cell phone service. <laughs> but yeah, so the, her mom's like, okay, that doesn't sound right. They have the flu. I'm coming to check on them. Right. She does the same song and dance. Go away. Your mom's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Patsy leaves. She goes straight to the cops. Now, while she's sitting in the station mm-hmm. telling the cops this story, Guy Starkweather. Calls the cops at that time. That's his dad, right? Tells the same story from what Lavetta told him. Okay. That's his dad. So his dad finally was like, this is maybe didn't sit with him right for a little bit. So he's finally like, you know what? This is a little I better go weird. ahead and call. Let me call this in because yeah. he's planning a robbery. Or maybe he was like, maybe I should call him so he doesn't get arrested kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. The cops were like, uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they were suspicious. They went to the house. They knocked on the door. No fucking answer. So they kicked the fucking door in. There's nothing. They left. They were gone. Place was empty. No one was home. Place looked 
like it always had. There was no blood. There was nothing in it, nothing out of the Well, they couldn't stay forever, right? They would have had to. Exactly. So like, I, like I say here, I mean, the lovers knew that since people kept coming by, mm-hmm. yeah, they need to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. They need to get out of town. This, they can't just live there. <laughs> no. So they basically packed a bunch of the guns, uh, specifically Marion's sawed-off shotgun, a pistol, uh, and then some clothes, some photos, which is weird. They cleaned the house and snuck out the back door before yeah, why they got there. Take photos. I don't know. You don't need pictures of the people know. you killed. It's Do you need the pictures people you just of the people maybe you murdered? Maybe it was murdered? trophies. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So the police found nothing and left. Uh, and Barbara's like, "Fuck that! Mm-hmm. That hell no! That's not what's up." So her and Bob knew something was going on, so they went over. Barbara's around 4:30. sister, Carol's older Carol's sister. Carol's older sister, and Bob is her boyfriend, mm-hmm. who is Charles's, Charles's friend. friend. Yes, and Rumi. Or old room. So they head over there about four thirty, and they find the fucking bodies instantly. They find so they went in the backyard. The they look. They went looking around more all than that. just inside the house. You would think the fucking police would have. Yeah, well, the up. cops looked around the house. They saw no reason to look anywhere else. No one was home. They thought the kids had gone out or something like that, right? You, you didn't check out back. Nope, they didn't see some freshly dug holes. They found nothing, but when the family came, the family was like, "Fucking bodies, done." <laughs> now it was official. The two were wanted for questioning. And uh, they were officially on the run as far as anybody knew. Because no one knew else where they would go. Because he didn't go to Charles' house. They weren't at Bob's house. And they weren't at her house. I can't imagine there's too many uh, during this. Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Too many murders in Lincoln, Nebraska back then. No, there wasn't. There had been. I think they had said there had been three a decade prior or something like that. Yeah, so they must have kind of started tying the Roberts murder into, you know, the first... The gas station guy, Robert, is his name. They may have. They didn't say if they started yeah. tying him. But to your point, they now have two murders. Mm-hmm. Or two incidents of murder, four people total. So they have four bodies, two separate murders. Okay, are these connected or what's going on here, right? Yeah. But the lovers were fucking out, bro. Mm-hmm. They were in the car. They were on the road. Uh, and then they ended up stopping in the town of Bennett for supplies and food and ammo and those kind of things. Ammo, so they're doing. Well, they got it again. guns. They need ammo. Um, so a man named Austin Myers lived about two miles outside of Bennett. I went to school with Austin Myers. I actually had a Myers son. Really? School, yeah. It's crazy. It's Augustus. I mean, it's not this guy, but well, he's Augustus. No. No, August. I just can't read. I thought you said Austin. August. Oh. Oh, I probably said Austin. I'm all over the place tonight. It's been a long week. I don't know him. August. <laughs> August Meyer. Okay, I he gotcha. was a 70 year old friend of Charles's. Because Charles would go hunt on the land out there. So he was and uh, yeah. Old. He was older. He was 70. Okay. And but Charles used to hunt on his land. And August was like, cool, you can hunt on my land, just give me half of whatever you kill. They're friends. Give, give me half the meat. You kill a deer, you give me half, kind of thing. So they had cool. a good they had a good deal. So Charles figures they can go see him, be safe for the night. He's harmless. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, they could hide out there. On their way, because he lives up like a two-mile-long dirt road. And it's been snowing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The car gets stuck. Oh. So they're like, fuck. They're, they're almost there. So they get out. They walk up to the house to get help. But instead, Charles just shoots Meyer and his dog. Why? They're friends. He probably would have kept them. Charles said it was in self-defense, claiming the old man argued with him, went inside, and came back out shooting uh, until his gun jammed, and then when he turned to run back in the house, Charles shot him point blank with the sawed-off shotgun. I don't believe a word of that. That's ridiculous. You, the first whole of all, world is not out to shoot you. Well, first well, of all, if I a dude's be, coming out shooting at me, I'm not waiting until he turns around and runs away to shoot him back. I'm so shooting at the same time. Shit. He's right? just an evil monster. 
That's all he is. He just shot this poor old man that would have taken, probably taken them in and fed him. And it's not done there with this. He even blames the killing on Carol saying she got pissed off that they got stuck in the snow. So now she was saying they needed to go up to the house and blast the shit out of him because he didn't shovel the road. So she was saying, according to him, she was telling him they need to go up there and fucking shoot this dude because he didn't shovel. And that's why they got stuck. I don't know about that, but. According to her, of course, there was no argument. Myers didn't shoot anyone. Uh, Charles just asked them if they could use some horses to pull the car out and then just shot the man as he walked away. Both are, I mean, that I could believe. I was, I was shaking my head. Like, that's more believable to me. I mean, the simplest ex- explanation is usually the right one. Yeah. I mean, right. He, and I think he just that tricks that, him because the guy trusts him. He's like, hey, I need to help. We're stuck. The guy turns around and shoots him. Yeah. That way he could have full access to his whole house and all yeah, his money. Yeah. And the easiest way to kill him because he's not fighting with you. He doesn't, exactly. he doesn't suspect it happening. So I, I'm going to go with her version being the true exactly. version this time. I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the couple moves the body into the wash house and cover it with a blanket. They then search the house for some money. They get some clothes. They get a pump action rifle. And then they just take a nap. Well, yeah, they're tired. That's a lot. It's a lot of killing. <laughs> yeah, and they went. So they walk back to the car after their nap and start digging for about an hour to get the car unstuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, they finally do, and then it gets stuck in a ditch. <laughs> so they're having trouble with this car. And apparently, when they got it stuck in the ditch, it damaged it so badly it couldn't back up. Whoa! Uh, so a neighbor comes by oh, uh, to help them get unstuck. Yeah, don't help them. Let them struggle, <laughs> but. That means somebody saw them at this guy's house. So that this, this random gentleman comes by to help. Oh, yeah, they just couldn't get it unstuck. Yeah, but I would hate to be that gentleman that because uh, he has good intentions. <laughs> but now he's the person that saw them at Mister Myers's house. Well, he didn't necessarily. See, yeah, he saw him at the house, but they didn't want to kill this guy for whatever reason. I, oh, now they have morals. Said, yeah, so. They're like, fuck it, we're going to go back to the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're they're walking back. And as they're walking back, Carol's like, no, fuck that. Let's get the car out. Even though they've been trying to get this thing out. Now Carol's calling the shots. <laughs> yes, Carol's now calling the shots. So they go back uh, and they're trying to get it out. It's stuck again, right? So mm-hmm. this thing's done. They say, fuck it and leave the car. And then they decide that when they originally got stuck the first time, there was an abandoned schoolhouse right where they got stuck. Mm-hmm. They had an old storm cellar. So now they're like, fuck it. We're not getting this thing out. Let's go stay there the night. We don't want to be an old dude's house that we just killed. We're going to go stay in this abandoned farmhouse. Okay. Whatever. Um, I mean, I I don't get the the thought process. I don't either. But this is what they did. Yeah. That's what they thought was a great idea. Okay. So, uh, however, along the way on there, they meet up with Robert Jensen, who is 17, and his fiance, a 16-year-old Carol King. So another Robert. Another Carol. And another Carol. Another Robert and another Carol. Lord. Popular names in that town. <laughs> um, they explained their car troubles to the couple. Mm-hmm. And Robert and his fiance were like, yeah, sure. You, we'll take you to the nearby gas station and see if they can help you. Mm-hmm. So they get in the backseat. At this point, Robert is like, uh, why the fuck y'all holding guns? Because they were still yeah. carrying the oh, shotguns. carrying their the shotguns? Yeah. They were still carrying the guns. Uh, she had the shot off shotgun and he had the twenty two. Oh. And they're like, they're just not loaded. Which, yeah, we didn't want to leave them in the car. Probably. Yep. So they go to the gas station and supposedly, according to Charles, mm-hmm. we see this a bunch of times, he thought about turning himself in at the gas station. No, you didn't. He was like, I'm not going to turn myself in. I killed people. Bullshit. Uh, the gas station was closed. And at that moment, mm-hmm. he said, 
he realized these couples were the exact fucking things I hated about people. Uh Uh-oh. You see, Robert was a football player. Mm -hmm. His fiance was a cheerleader in the choir. They were middle class, smart, popular, getting married after college. And they were helping your ass out. And Charles. They (laughs) reminded him of everything he resented in school. Mm -hmm. So here comes that rage. They were literally helping him. They were giving them a ride to the gas station to be helpful. Yep. And at this point, Charles said, fuck turning myself in. And he put his gun to Robert's head, demanding his money, which Robert, of course, complied. So he made them drive back to Lincoln, then changes his mind. And then wants to go back to the abandoned school <laughs> by Myers' farm. all over the he's place. everywhere. And then he's like, I'll leave. you drive us there, They can. you guys can take the car. He's stressing me out is what he's doing. Once they got there, he took the couple inside and went, I guess, down to the storm cellar. I don't know why. Jeez. And Carly stayed in the car and just listened to the radio. Carol. Carly. Carol. Jeez. <laughs> it's the way it's written, know, it's written spelled, on here. It's so messed up. It looks like and then Carly. And once you start get reading and you're in a yeah. roll, it looks like Carly. Uh, so Carol stayed in the car listening to the radio. Robert walked down the stairs to the cellar uh, with Charles, and Charles just shot him in the back. Jesus. <laughs> Charles claims Robert tried to grab the gun. Oh, he's always having to uh, defend himself. However... Robert had been shot six times in the left ear. Oh, so that's self-defense. That's not self-defense. Yeah. What a tool bag. Charles would later make multiple statements about how Carol died, uh, but every one of them was different. Yeah. He claimed first that he had shot her because she was screaming. He also claimed that his Carol had killed her, uh, but she was only shot once in the back. So he first says it was him. Then he says it was her. None of it lines up. Charles Starkweather wouldn't know the truth if it hopped up and bit him in the oh, ass. fuck, he wouldn't. He wouldn't know shit. Uh, the couple would actually be found the next day. Uh, Robert would be laying in a pool of blood on his stomach. God. Carol would be draped across his back, partially naked. Her you coat th- was over her head. I think they raped her, or he her did? pants and underwear were around her ankles. She had drag marks on her back. And she had been stabbed horribly and mutilated uh, multiple times in the groin area. What the... See, there was actually no evidence of sexual assault, but she had internal damage to her rectum, her cervix, and her vagina caused by a double-edged blade. It was also determined that the the hunting knife Charles carried with him all the time, it couldn't have been that knife. Do you think Carol did it? She was jealous? I don't fucking know. That's fucking... That's insane. Heavy. And Charles actually... um, I don't feel like that's Charles's MO unless unless I'm missing something. He did first confessed to raping her. Okay. But then he said he had actually had attempted to rape her and then instead just mutilated her to fit a rage. So he admitted to doing I wonder if he attempted to rape her and then Carol. Oh, is he? We'll see that later. Okay. Because I was going to say, was Carol jealous, right? And then he- It's a great storyline and I wish I didn't spoil it for you. I know. Okay. (laughs) But he is 100%. He struggled with problems of impotency. Okay, that so sucks. I'm a, it didn't say that was the cause, but I'm assuming he did attempt to rape her, but... Couldn't get get it and... Couldn't get an erection, so that really didn't happen. So he got angry and just mutilated her. <sighs> yeah. Uh, after he was done, he left the bodies, closed the cellar doors, went back to the car, uh, got stuck in the damn mud again. <laughs> finally These got These people it. need to not drive cars. <laughs> yeah, he finally got it out at about 10.30 at night. Uh, at this point, he's like, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to turn myself in. 
But according to him, Carol talked him out of that. She was like, no, you're not. Carol is. She's a victim in, in her story. She's the antagonist in his story. She's the one pushing him and antagonizing him the whole time. So who knows? But the couple drove back to their hometown of Lincoln. Let's go back home. Um, at 3.30 in the morning. Jesus. They knew they couldn't go home. And as they drove by Carol's house, it was fucking surrounded by cops. Because it's only been like two days. I know they're not brilliant, but they've got to know that they're, you know, being looked for. Oh, yeah. They know at this point. But they decide they need to go find a wealthy mansion in the area to stay at and rob some stuff from. Yes. That's exactly what you need to do in the town that you just murdered people. The car was having a lot of troubles and they were exhausted and they were cold. They shouldn't have gone back in the first place. And they knew the area to hit up, but they needed a nap first. So they found a secluded oh street, took a nap. In the morning, they wake up and they decided on the perfect house. Uh, it was a nice five-bedroom mansion. Uh, the mansion was owned by C. Lauer Ward, who was a very wealthy industrialist. These people. And Charles actually knew the house in this area from his trash truck days. Oh, okay. Remember he was working in yeah. the garbage truck before he started yeah. robbing people? So Ward was 57 and he lived with his wife, Clara, Mm -hmm. who was 46. Ward had left for work that day. Mm -hmm. uh, And when Charles had rang the doorbell and his 51 year old maid, Lillian, and I always don't know if I can say this word, (laughs) Finkel. Uh Uh-huh. It's spelled F-E-N-C-L. I would say. Fencil, Finkel. I'd say Finkel. Okay. So I apologize if I say that wrong, but Lillian Finkel, I believe, or Fencil. Um, was the maid and answered the door. And she had worked for the family for over 25 years. Okay. So she'd been their maid for since yeah. they ever had money, I guess. The Bonnie and Clyde couple would blow through the door as soon as she opened it, uh, brandishing their guns. And at the time, only Lillian, the maid, and Clara were home because thankfully Ward's 14-year-old son was away at boarding school. Oh, thank God. So his son thankfully wasn't there. He told the two women to just keep doing their chores and he's just going to walk around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then he orders Clara, make me some pancakes. Not the maid, but the What's actual the- woman of the house. He's like, I want pancakes. It's a power thing. Yeah. Because she's the powerful person in the house, so he's knocking her down. right? Remember he always said he'd bring them down to his level? Yeah. He was always talking about knocking people down. This fucking guy is just sitting down eating. Beat his ass. <laughs> he's sitting down fucking eating pancakes. Where just down the road, 25 cops are swarming the Myers farm. He's ballsy. I'll give so him that. So now the Myers farmer's being swarmed. He's either stupid or ballsy. Starkweather's car was still there. Mm-hmm. They had left his car in the mud and stolen Robert Jansen's car that they killed. So now they have a timeline. They have. They see a pattern, right? So yeah. forgetting the first killing, because this is why it was, that was the other reason why it was always separated. The first killing, because it was never really tied to this one, because it wasn't a part of the same crime spree. He's making it easy. So, but it's connected, they think. But obviously Starkweather and her were at the house. Mm-hmm. Where her parents were found dead. Yep. Now they find his car at Myers', Myers. ranch or farmhouse. Right. Where Myers is dead. So they're starting to put it all together a little bit, right? Hopefully. Now. I don't have a lot of faith in them. <laughs> um, they thought Meyer, the, the, the Starkweather and his girlfriend were actually still hiding out at Myers' farm. So they tear gassed the farm and the radio, the, the radios were even broadcasting. So they were a big deal at this point. Yeah. The radios are broadcasting that the couple's about to be captured as soon as the glass, the gas clears. But uh, there, was no one in the, there was no one in the house. Yeah, they left already. Just the body of August Myers in the wash house. And the dog. And then uh, shortly after, Robert Jensen and Carol King uh, were found down the street. Where they, right by where the car was stuck. Another timeline. So at this point, a massive manhunt starts. Yeah. This is like eight people? No, five people. One, six two. people. Six people. 
And then the baby. Yeah. Count the baby and six people and then yeah. the one killing. So now they're having bodies starting to pile up. So they're like, fuck this. We got issues. At around 1 p.m., Charles sends Clara upstairs to go change. What? Like, I don't know. He's just trying to be He's a dick. weird, yeah. Uh, and, but according to him, she according to him, mm-hmm. she ran out of the room and shot at him with a twenty two pistol, but missed. Uh, and as she ran away, he threw his knife in her back and then dragged her back. Into, I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. He's such a liar. Yeah. And then he dragged her back into the room. He killed her. She was walking away because he's a pussy. And apparently the family dog mm-hmm. was giving him issues and pissing him off. Good. So he broke its neck uh, by hitting it with the rifle. I hate this guy so much. I he can't then, even tell you. Yeah. He then bound and gagged Clara Ward. At around 6 p.m., Mr. Ward came home but was instantly met by the Bonnie and Claude duo with guns in his face. They started fighting, though. Him and Charles did. And somehow the rifle ended up falling down the stairs into the basement. Mm-hmm. They both went sprinting for it. Charles gets it first. Ward turns his ass up and tries to run back out of the basement, as everybody would. And uh, Charles shoots him in the back. Ward keeps running, goes to the front door, trying to escape. Charles catches up to him before he can get out and shoots him in the head. I hate him. I honestly think he blacks out during some of these things. Because he's so pissed. Yeah. Because you know what he how does you, next, you get that rage that you just like can't remember. What he does next, he, he does multiple times. He asked Ward if he was okay. What? So he shot the dude in the back, chased him down, shot him in the head, and then goes, are you okay? What the fuck do you think? <laughs> and according to Charles, Ward just didn't answer him. Well, no, because he's dead. Yeah, but why is he asking if he's okay? Like, I think this dude is just blacked out with rage. Uh, he, I think he has a screw loose too. Because oh, remember the bear death oh, thing? Dare, but death is half- Man, half bear. We'll talk about his psychologist stuff later. Oh, Lord. But then Charles tied up the maid, took the money from her and Clara, packed Ward's car, and the two left. According to him, mm-hmm. he tied up the maid and Clara Ward and just left them there. Oh, completely alive. That's what he said. Uh, but the Wards were discovered the next day. See, a co-worker was like, Ward never doesn't come to work. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's up? Went over there. Uh, when they opened the door, Ward was found dead inside the door with gunshot wounds. And Clara and the maid were found dead and mutilated upstairs. See, Charles used the same knife on them that he had on Carol. So he said he left them tied up. Did the same thing? Yeah. Wow. He said he left them tied up and alive. But his Carol was like, "Uh, no. He told her to tie him up and then stabbed him repeatedly. So he probably to her, tried to rape them too and was impotent. According to her, he had her tie them up and then stab the shit out of them. According to him, he just left them upstairs tied up. He's a piece of shit. I don't believe anything. Again, who are we going to believe on this one, I think? Uh, so as you can imagine, panic is fucking going nuts in the town. Yeah. That's bodies dropping I th- almost every day. We'd, we'd be gone if we lived there. The local gun shops were selling out of guns. Right, Coconut. Rewards were being issued. The National Guard was brought in. And when I say the National Guard was brought in, it was to the point that soldiers were driving around town with vehicles with mounted machine guns. Holy shit. I mean, these two were I've no only seen that joke. during a hurricane down here. <laughs> these two were no fucking joke to this No. Town. It's like Bonnie and Clyde level, huh? The town was then isolated, locked down, and searched block by block. However, no one knew. Where Charles were? and Carol were gone at this point. They were already gone. Did they leave Lincoln? Okay. See, the two traveled through the night, stopping just to nap a few times. And Charles would try to persuade Carly, or Carol, Carly, it's a freaking thing. <laughs> Charles would try to persuade Carol that sex works best to keep him awake. Nah, but that didn't work. 
No, I don't. Doesn't say why it didn't work because you're a dick. But I'm pretty sure the impotence thing happens there. Yeah. Uh, So they they didn't that didn't work for whatever reason. So they slept. The next day, they cross over into Wyoming and they stop for supplies. They heard the man had increased uh, after the discovery of these newest three victims. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were like, "Yeah, we probably shouldn't be driving Ward's car." Probably smart. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. At this point is where the couple would find their next victim of their murderous crimes, pretty basically. Uh, a man named Merle Collison. Oh. Uh, Merle? 12 miles outside of a small town of Douglas where they stopped in Wyoming. Okay. So this is a town about 12 miles out there. Uh, Merle was a married man. He was a traveling shoe salesman that was on his way back to Montana. Uh, and his he had two children at home waiting for him with his wife. Oh. See, he had pulled over in the middle of the night to take a nap. Yeah, so he was sleeping on the side of the road in his Buick, and he woke up to Charles, you know, kind of knocking on the window, trying to get the door open, saying, "Hey, we need to switch cars." Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Merrill's like, "All right, whatever, shut up, dude." Ignores him (laughs) until Charles shoots at the car. Oh my god! Through the window twice. So, like any sane person, uh, like Merrill is, he's like, "Okay, we can trade. (laughs) I'll give you the keys." Uh, Who just says we need to switch cars? Well, I guess Charles does. It was just, it was all a fucking ploy anyway. Yeah. Just, the you're going to kill him locked, the whole time. So he was just trying to get the guy out of the car. To yeah. Take the car. So as soon as he opened the door, Charles shot him in the leg, in the wrist, arm, neck, nose, God. and cheek. He shot him seven times. It's just overkill two, every time. The two then piled into the car. So angry. With Merle's lifeless body in it. And Charles asks Merle, hey, are you dead? Yes, bitch. I'm dead. See, you shot me seven times. He wasn't familiar with this car and the handbrake was on and he had no idea how to get it off. So he was actually going to ask Merle to help him. He, Merle's preoccupied right now. Yeah. What the fuck? Wow. He does have blackouts, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. And then, so then a passerby sees the car and thinks it might have been in an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another innocent person driving by and, and they pull over and. Ask, hey, Charles. You need some help? Y'all need some help. To which Charles replies by pointing the gun out the window and says, help me release the brake or I'll kill you. You could just say please, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, the two men end up tussling. I don't know how everybody he points a gun at, they end up fighting. Yeah, it's all he always points the gun first, and then but he always kills in self-defense, and they get according to, fight, to him. Because this is his story, so they get in a fight every time. What's most likely happening is the guy walked up and he just shot him, yeah, right? Yeah. But the two men tussle for a bit uh, until a police car comes <laughs> down the road and stops. And he's like, uh, what the fuck is happening here? Right? Yeah. Now, strangely. It's Carol, opportunity for it to end Carol again. Carol gets out and runs to the cop, screaming that Charles had just killed a man. Okay. That's interesting. Charles panics, uh-huh. runs back to the car, and hauls the fuck out of there. Give what? Chase. The cops, the cops right behind. Like him, without Carol? She's in the back of the cop car now. That's insane. I didn't know this happened. She's in the cop car in the back okay. seat. And the cop's like, fuck that. He's chasing him down. Okay. He's calling it in. Like, he's like, I fuck this fucking dude killed somebody. I got this girl in the back seat. She's not, I don't think she's a suspect at the time. Yeah. I don't think they know who it is yet. Yeah. I think they just think this girl ran to him like state. she was in danger and he's trying mm-hmm. to protect her. So. Oh my God. Know. It's a little weird. And this literally turns into a movie style shootout car chase. Oh, my God. As multiple cop cars were chasing Charles at speeds over 100 miles an hour, I heard up to like 120. 
Uh, and the cops are just fucking shooting at his car. They're trying to shoot out the tires. Uh, they're shooting at it. Finally, they shoot it one time and it blows out the back window. And Charles stops because he's covered in blood. He's convinced he'd been shot. He's got glass on him. He just got stuff. glass and he got yeah. like a head cut or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he stops the car because he thinks he needs medical attention. Oh my God, such a pussy. <laughs> exactly. So he stops it and he gets taken into to custody and it's and the cops even mocked this. They like made fun of Charles. They're like, he thought cut. he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. And this is a direct quote. He thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. <laughs> yellow belly son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh my gosh. This brings their reign of terror to an end, so to speak. Good. Um, once he's in custody now, he fucking confesses to all the murders. I'm glad that except he. Except. Oh, I'm glad he was embarrassed. Women, the two women he left upstairs. Remember, he said he didn't kill them. He still to this day, or to the day he died, said he didn't kill them. I mean, we all know he did, right? Well. The story is she did. Oh, okay. That's okay. what his story is, is. She did it. Those are the, the two Carol she stories killed. that he, so it's, he said, she said, right? Right. And a lot of people are more apt. And we'll talk about that with, with the trial. A lot of people are more apt to believe it was her. Yeah. I think she had something more to do yeah. with this than she's letting on, but. Yeah. I honestly think the first girl that was killed in the, in the, in the, um. Carol. The other Carol. The other Carol. That was violated after he tried to rape her. I honestly think she probably got mad. That's that what, that was my her. initial. I know, I know. Yeah, that maybe. But he, con- he confessed to doing it at that point. So it's weird. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to take that off of her or something? Yeah, I don't know. But he confessed to all the murders except for Clara Ward and Lily and the maid. Um, of course, they were all self-defense. However, <laughs> Carol was like, oh, I was the victim, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I had to go along with him because he was going to kill my family. Like later she fucks up her own story. Oh. Because she her defense is like, I was a victim. He was threatening to kill my family. Right. Later she fucks up saying she saw him kill her family. <laughs> so her victim story just goes out the window because. Yeah. If you were afraid he was going to kill your family, but you already saw him kill your family, what are you afraid of? Yeah, exactly. It was, so that kind of shit itself. Uh, and the two were actually extradited back to Nebraska, which was a little odd to some people because they. Killed somebody in Montana or Wyoming too. Yeah, they did. But they were extradited because they were, I guess their original murder were back in the. Or he did. Yeah. Their original murders were back in Nebraska. So they got extradited. Okay. And they were put to go stand on trial for the first degree murder of Robert Jensen. Of all the bodies, he was the one they were charged with. So only the gas station attendee. No, Robert Jensen was the first, the second Robert with Carol. Oh, okay. So. He was the one that tried to help them and. He Carol King him. and Robert Jensen. Yes. Yeah, they were engaged. The football player. And, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Got you, got you. His was the one that they were put on trial for. Okay. And Starkweather's lawyer was like, you need to plead insanity. And he said, a direct quote from Charles was, no one remembered a crazy man. Yeah. So he wasn't going to plead insanity. Besides, it was yeah. all in self-defense. He's he's too much of a um, narcissist. I to- left out a point in there that the cops even made fun of him. Uh, when they extradited him, because mm-hmm. he said he was afraid of flying. <laughs> so they wanted to drive. But he says he told him that because he was it was easier for him to try to escape if they drove. We all hate you and think you're a pussy. <laughs> I think he was just afraid of flying, right? <laughs> you're a little bitch. So we're almost done. Bear with me. We're at the trial. They're in custody. Robert's trial is started on May 5th, 1958, and it did not go well for him. Good. Prosecutors shit all over his self-defense brief. Mm-hmm. You know, none of the basic forensics lined up. Like Jensen had been shot 
six times in the back of the head. How is that self-defense? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, remember, he's the only one they're on trial for. So that one, he shot him in the back of the head. That's not self-defense, right? So Starkweather shows zero emotion the entire time. Until one time when his former employer, <laughs> I can't help but laugh at this, referred to him as the dumbest man who ever worked for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's emotionless in this murder trial until his former employer is like, that dude is the dumbest man I've ever worked Did with. Did he get mad? Oh, he had to be restrained. <laughs> He had to be like restrained. It's like Kemper when the girl did the cutthroat motion yeah, in court. And it was he's the like, same thing. Oh my God. It was the same thing. Uh, the defense would actually bring in three psychologists to try to push the insanity theory. Uh, but they would tell prosecutors that he's definitely mentally sick. There's mental problems there. For sure. Uh, one even said that he had antisocial personality disorder, which kind of leads true. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Sociopath, ASPD. But he was still sane. So he wasn't completely lost and he had problems, but he was he knew what he was doing. He was not insane. Right. Well, the jury saw the same thing and sentenced him to death in the electric chair. Good. Bye. Huge thing to note about this is uh, during their time in custody, him and Carol, they're done. I was going to say, did they? They fall out of love. They don't like each other anymore. Well, she turned him in. I think in his mind, she turned him in and then. He did all this for her. Exactly. And then she's saying he did it all. Ungrateful bitch. Even if he did it all, she's turning Is what on, he's right? thinking. He's doing it. So basically, yeah. that's what I thought too. He even said that on the stand that he was mad at her for shooting Carol King. And then she not only helped kill Merle, but finished him off. So he's now fucking coming out saying, oh, fuck that. She's no victim. She killed this motherfucker, this motherfucker. And you know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. like, he's pointing fingers at people she killed. It wasn't him. I don't know. That one's hard to say. It's really down to he said, she said. There's no 100% proof. He said, she said. That's there's the no proof. I can't say one way or the other. That's one of the huge debates about this is there's no way to prove either story or either way. Do I think that she would have done this without him? No. Yeah. No. Come on. No. But do I think she had a hand in this? Yes. But it, it, it reminds you of Juliette Lewis's character, mm-hmm. Natural Born Killers, because she's always egging him on. Mm-hmm. So that's how the story was told. Makes uh, sense. Five months later, our little friend Carol would go on trial. Uh, as an accomplice for murder, which carried the same sentence as first and what, By murder. now, she's, what, 14? Probably. She is 14 at this point. Jeez. Key point was that she didn't kill anybody. Okay. But she did take their shit after they killed them. So yeah, she, she was stole. complicit in the murder. Yeah. Right? Like, so this, again, this is on the one murder for Robert. So she took his wallet. So she was complicit in killing him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was the whole point. Uh, the most damning part of her trial, though, was her own testimony and. The star witness for the prosecution. Who is that? Yeah. In her testimony, she was confused. She couldn't remember things. She was extremely aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, her image really doomed her. Because remember, she's that tomboy, cussing, swearing, yelling kind of girl. So she's rough around the edges. So the, the girl was opposite of what the feminine ideal, what a woman yeah. should be, or what society said. This is how a woman behaves. Of course. She was not that. She was not sweet. She was not kind. She also wasn't scared or timid during the trial. Yeah. That was not... Little, she didn't little, give off victimhood. This little woman should be scared about being in trial. That's she, other thing. She didn't right? give off victim, you know? Exactly. She wasn't a feminine girl that she should be, and she was rather just angry, crazy, and was reportedly promiscuous. So she's a hoe, too. Oh, they hated that, I'm sure, back then. Oh, yeah. So she was just like, was like a Salem witch trial all over again. She's a witch. Yeah. Charles testified of her involvement in all of the murders. He was the star witness. Charles, Charles testified. Charles was the star witness for the prosecution in her. Boy, in he her got her back because yeah. she turned him in and he's like, I'm putting the final nail in this coffin. Yeah. He went there and said she did it. 
she went willingly. She was involved in every murder. She did everything. Did he get anything out of that other than the sheer pleasure of throwing her care. under the bus? He didn't care at this point. He was already on death row. I know. I just wondered if he got like. No, he actually on the record or even on the stand went on record. This is crazy. Saying, quote, I fry in the electric chair. Then Carol should be in my lap. Ooh. <laughs> like. So <laughs> they're not together anymore. I take it. Well, no, <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Uh, but despite her attorney's <laughs> best efforts, her defense as a victim of Charles was just shattered by his testimony. Like, yeah. even though he's a convicted murderer, I don't know. But she was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison, which would later be commuted to 30 to 50 years. I'm surprised she got that long, to be honest. Uh, I didn't expect that. She never actually gave up her innocence and was eventually paroled after 18 years in prison in 1976, <gasps> moved to Michigan, and worked as a janitorial assistant until she retired. She, in 2007, married, but sadly, in 2013, her and her husband were in a one-car wreck that flipped the car, uh-huh. and it went off the road, and her husband died. Did she ever give interviews or anything? I don't know. She even appealed for a pardon. A full pardon in 2020, but that was denied. See, because she wanted to get the yeah. convicted murderer off her, <laughs> her criminal record. I, well, God, she's got to be. What? Yeah. How old? 80? About 80. I mean, no, no, she's 76 now. 76 now. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just. But much like old Ed Kemper, mm-hmm. Charles spent hours writing and talking to a criminal professor, criminology professor, while he's mm-hmm. on death row. He's talking to this dude forever. Like writing him stuff, admitting to everything. He even admitted that his main motive was to quote general revenge upon the world and its human race. Okay. Uh, it's he also said and claimed that poverty was the reason that people hated him. He was famous for saying that his only way for people to not look down on him was that all dead people are on the same level. Charles, you are an idiot. No one listens to you. His He was a changed man in prison. He actually mm-hmm. really did become a changed man in prison. Uh, his anger was just gone now. Uh, the guards even said that if people had paid attention to him when he was younger uh, and were nice to him, because he was bullied so much and that's mm-hmm. really kind of what caused him, yeah. that this may never have happened if that didn't happen. So guys, this should be a lesson. Be kind. <laughs> Stop being dicks to each other. Because yeah. we're literally creating serial killers. Well, I mean, he tried to use that to change his execution or stop it but it, no. helped, it helped for a little bit it postponed it from may 22nd to june 25th don't postpone the inevitable uh, i'd want to go ahead and get it over with too and he was he was he was executed on june 25th 1959 did was it the electric chair electric then? chair okay yeah. you know ironically after this uh, he just became famous he his story was everywhere they were all in the national news they're on everything yeah it has that bonnie and clyde vibe it has the bonnie and clyde vibe but he is that cool guy that james dean rebel without a cause that marlon brando who's those characters were so popular back then his apathy wasn't seen like lack of emotion it was actually it played into that cool demeanor because he just didn't show it he cared teenagers actually saw themselves in him that's scary at this time yeah because of that not know, so much the that's scary stuff and he he doesn't need His to be a, story, po- a culture icon. Yeah, this story was told in multiple movies. Like we talked about Natural Born Killers. There's mm-hmm. a couple other ones. Uh, it's even referenced in songs like Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. I had to look yeah. that up. Because you know how he just kind of lists shit while he's done the it? Fire. Yeah. At one point he says, start weather homicide. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's even That's referenced crazy. in there. 
So that's really kind of the end of this story, but it brings us to what's been debated since the, to the news on this broke. The point of the controversy, really, of the story was she the killer or the victim. Or many people believe the 14-year-old girl was a victim stuck in a world of a madman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles was making her participate in everything, and she couldn't get away from him. But most, like us, tend to believe she was just fucking evil like him. Uh, and the victim story was just her best self-defense in the trial. She had to play the victim because maybe they would be like, oh, poor girl. I, I would like to say I don't <laughs> believe she's evil. I will say that. I believe that that she was, like you said, that she was slower. And I think that that coupled with being young, I think she was easily influenced. Do I think that she was a good person that came from a good family? No. Do I think that she was... She would have killed anyone had she never crossed paths with Charles Starkweather? No, I don't. Who knows, right? I mean, yeah, who knows? But I, I think that if she would have gone on a date that faded day with exactly. a guy other than Charles Starkweather and he a was a great, like, m- did missionary work in China, this could have gone very, very a different way. Right. <laughs> she was so easily influenced either way. But there is another interesting note um, to, well, to really to put in here that kind of adds to the, what the fuck, which mm-hmm. one is it story, right? We talked about how she had reportedly admitted that, even testified that Charles struggled with some impotence. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read in one source something that kind of even threw more of a monkey wrench into the story, that she had a physical exam when she was arrested, Yeah, and her hymen was intact. So she, well, yeah, because he couldn't. But according the to him, deed. they were doing the deed every day and twice on Sunday. Of course, according to but him. But I'm just saying, so were his es- his sex escapades stories true? Was this all bullshit? We don't know. It might have just been a lot of him trying, you know? It may have been, but it still adds that well, maybe she was a victim now because that doesn't, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally see that. And we kind of saw. It's it's hard to say, right? Because it's, <laughs> it's very hard to say. That's why it's so yeah. widely debated on this because it's so torn because there's a lot that says one way. There's also a lot that says the other way. Yeah. And we kind of saw that same thing with Jasmine um, in uh, The Runaway Devil. It was more cut and dry, though. It was much more cut and dry, but it, was new, it wasn't It was 70 years ago. Yeah, that's true. You know, And if you remember, she maintained her innocence the entire time while her boyfriend was the one saying, no, she cut her brother's throat. And there was literally also, like, MySpace evidence yeah, yeah, no, of 100%. her being a violent bitch. You know, 100%. Jasmine. But we don't have that with... But you remember, she, her brother, her boyfriend said she's the one that cut her brother's throat. I totally believe that. 110%. And that's what related so much to me is because then it's the same thing in both stories. Mm-hmm. He's saying she killed these people. She's saying she's innocent. Same thing in the Jasmine story. So who's lying? The killer's boyfriend? Is it an innocent girl trying to prove she was a victim? But I don't know. But to me, honestly, in both cases, the boyfriend had nothing to lose. They were already fully convicted of life in prison or death. Yeah. They have nothing to lose. So why are they going to sit there and say these things? You know what I mean? Well, in he, Jasmine's the case, boyfriend's they, mad. Well, remember in Jasmine's case, I was about to get, I was about to block that because I know where you're going. Mm-hmm. They were writing each other letters still in jail. Remember? Oh, they were still, yeah. They were going to get married still. Yeah. So that he wasn't mad at her yet. No, but Charles was mad. Charles was mad. He was going to fucking he, shit all over her. She turned him in. It's more plausible that, it, to me, it's more plausible that, um, Carol was a victim, mm-hmm. then it would be Jasmine being 100%. a victim. 100%. But it does, it does kind of, I think she turned him in that day 
to the cop. I think maybe something happened that day that scared her. Well, I think that I don't even think she was scared. I think that she was like, this is her not going to end well. And this is my way out. Yeah, No, I could see that too. That was one thing I thought it might've been too. I thought it was either he did something that finally scared her, which to your point is probably not the most logical in this whole situation. She probably was like, the cops are here. Like, this is my chance. Either I stay here and get arrested or I run for help and I'm I can be a victim. Exactly. Uh, Or, you know, I could be wrong and she's a victim. And then I'd feel horrible. But I I don't see that, though. We hate when people don't believe the victims. You don't ever want to discard a victim, but you don't see it in this way. You just don't see it. The only account of her being a victim is her own. Mm -hmm. No one else's. I mean, she had, she saw her sister without Charles pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm hoping present, present, because he was out getting food and supplies and stuff like that. And her sister came by, and her sister's boyfriend and other well, people. He was home at those times, but she still could have. There was a few was, times he was out, member, and yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she, "Wait, she's left alone." She was left alone. No one came by when she was left alone, but she was left alone. But she still could have just booked the, it. There was several times where she could have. Right. There was multiple times where she could have just been like, "No." Remember, she was in the car. Yeah. When he killed the two downstairs? Yes. And she didn't do anything. Why? She wasn't scared. He wasn't there. I know. They've, they stopped a couple times for supplies. Yeah. So, I mean, she had her chances to. It just doesn't add up. If I'm wrong, God, I feel like shit. No, I mean, you but, can't feel like shit because the story points in a different direction. But I think the direction. general consensus is that she she was very much involved in this, what, at least to some degree. May, okay, maybe she, I'm not convinced she killed anyone, but she definitely did some egging on. She was part of it. I mean, it was proven. That's why she was convicted. She mm-hmm. was she was part of it no matter what you said. She took their money. She took their wallet, whatever it was. She did. She did. She had no so. issue with the dead person there is what, what they found on her. You know what I mean? Not at all. So. But you know, before we wrap it up, I did want to take a minute and re-mention uh, the all the victims. Yes. Because so many times in these stories, they're so fanatical and crazy that you lose sight. Especially a story like this. There's so many names. Yeah. And you lose sight of, because it's so Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose sight of the people that actually. Matter. Were affected the most really by this. Uh, so there was Robert Culvert, the gas station attendant who's 21 years old. 21. Uh, Baby on the way. Velda Bartlett, her mother, mm-hmm. Mary, who was 36. Marion Bartlett, her stepfather, who was 58. Betty Jean Bartlett, Velda and Marion's daughter, her half-sister, two years old. Mm. August Meyer, 70-year-old, the family friend from the farm. Mm-hmm. Robert Jensen, 17. Carol King, 16, the two engaged couple. They've tried to help to stop the car like a gentlemanly boy would do to help. Mm-hmm. Lillian Finkel, mm-hmm. who was the, the the maid. Clara Ward, C. Laurel Ward, who were 47 and 46. The maid was 51. Mm-hmm. And then Merrill Collison, the traveling salesman in Wyoming, who was 34 years old. 34. And I also noted in here, because I hate this part, I don't know why, but Starkweather also killed two dogs. Yeah, it was. To um, me, it just makes him even more of a fucking douchebag. It was at Carol's house and then the the dog at Mr. Myers' house. Yep. But it's like, it makes even more of a douche. But like, you killed 11 people, you're bad. But you killed 11 people with two dogs, in my mind, you're even worse. Well, I mean, why? You That's know? the point. It's like, <laughs> what purpose does it solve? You just could. That's why. Asshole. So that is the true story behind the natural born killers, which remember the reference with Jasmine. You did a wonderful job on this one, babe. Good Thank job. You. The reference with Jasmine is they were watching natural born killers. And yeah. The next one I plan on doing natural born killers plays another role in. So, Oh, which if you're going to reference natural born killers, you got to talk about where it starts. Yeah. Starkweather. Charles Starkweather. Is where it starts. Carol Fugate. 
Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Coconut, are you proud of daddy? She says yes. She didn't even move. Coconut the pod pup. <laughs> She's asleep. Well, I appreciate you letting me tell a good a, I, a fun one. All right, I really enjoyed it. Good job. Thank you. Good, good, good. You do, I learned so much about this case that I didn't know. Because like I've said, I, I've watched, well, like the ID retelling of it. Right, right. And so they're 20 minutes. They, yeah, minutes they only go like, yeah, they only go like so deep. And I think I watched a movie, like a remake. Natural Born Killers? No, it was oh. like a Lifetime. Oh, a remake of the Bonnie yeah. and Claude. Because they really Not were lifetime, like the but you next know what I mean. Bonnie and Claude. Yeah, it was like in the 90s and they, really? they kind of redid it. But oh. it was very... Low budget and Faruga Faruga Bolt or whatever was her name is she was in it because there was one in like oh 91. really okay I forgot her name the it's girl Fruga. that's from like the craft and stuff yeah Faruga Bolt is it Bolt Bolt Bulk 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 I love her yeah but her. with the blue eyes she was in it and someone so yeah I know what you're talking about yeah so I watched that and and I mean they dramatize it you know so you never know what really happened like Hollywood, and you never really get to know like their background and their childhood so i really appreciate get, having like some background always, to the characters i love the background of the characters you do it so well that's why i wanted to do it and i love doing it with the killers because mm-hmm. that gives me and you the part we love about it is the criminology so it gives us a chance to like is it nurture versus nature well were they evil were they bred were they both i will say Starkweather was absolutely made Oh, he was made, but he was also, I think it was the perfect concoction was him, right? Yeah. A normal kid probably would be bullied and horribly depressed when they're older and probably has some alcohol problems. Mm-hmm. But him, for some reason, because he had mental problems or mental issues or mental disorders. Probably born with them. Yeah. Some chemical imbalance. The other stuff pushed him to a place that no one else would ever go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think, I think it's both. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, good job, babe. Thank you. And then, uh, so yeah. And if you haven't seen the, listened to the Runaway Devil one, like I kept referencing, go check that one out. We got yeah. one back. We have all of them up on all your podcasting platforms. You can even go on our socials on Instagram. Uh, we got the Twitter, the tweeter. Mostly use the Instagram though. The Runaway Devil is uh, Evil Pudding episode 37. 37. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so go check all those out. Another episode. We even have our Patreon up if you want to go there. It's just Evil Pudding Podcast. And then uh, do case recommendations. You get early release, all those kind of things. Yeah. Or just tell a friend. I I mean, you don't have to do anything above. You can just say, hey, check this out. We love it. Yeah, absolutely. And Coco just grunted. She sounds like a dragon in the room. She's so big. She's like, yeah. (laughs) What he said. She's so huge that when she grunts, it's. (laughs) Oh, so loud. (laughs) And she burps is like a full-grown human, too. I know. It shakes the house. <laughs> Holy moly. Anyway, before we start doing this again. I know. Okay. Love y'all. Be good to each other. We'll see you next week. Bye.